Welcome everybody to We Have Issues, Geek Network show that's about everything literary. Books, comic books, manga, web comics, and everything else you might be reading. We're here to talk about it. As always, I am your host, Keith, and I'm joined by Ms. Elizabeth. Hello. <laughs> and my Star Wars sidekick is always at my side host way. Hello, hello, hello. And it's week three of Tennis Swords, and it's still the best fucking event ever. <laughs> so good. Liz, we're going to make you read this when it's done. Oh, it's man, just yes. incredible. <laughs> like, it's very much an anime tournament arc. That's all it is. <laughs> so, no, I'd already see it, it being the whole thing. So, yes, please. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, I have a couple things I want to quickly go over some headlines. Uh, very simple stuff for the most part. Uh, today, it's not directly comic related, but I am taking it. Uh, we got the Amazon Invincible teaser trailer for the show the animated cartoon based on the kirkman uh comic uh liz i know you read the comic did you get a chance to watch the trailer um yes actually i did <laughs> right before i started this <laughs> looks good <laughs> i'm excited about it yeah i think it's gonna be really good how sweet would you think oh i, I didn't see it i was just trying to get what the show. <laughs> what <laughs> it, it looks really good it looks like they're gonna retain the violence of the comic which was talking, my number one concern you're talking about invincible right yeah invincible yeah yeah no, i was able to see this, like the clips as i was scrolling by but i never got a second to actually see it and to my surprise i really thought they were going with like every other adaptation of going live action but the fact that it was an- animated which is why i kind of wanted to take a second to take a look at it made me more excited because it seems like they'll not be afraid to they follow to following it faithfully yeah no definitely and, and the, again the thing i was concerned about was the violence because it's so built into invincible mm-hmm. and how that character works that i really was like you know it did kind of hinge at it there was like a yeah miss, blink and you'll miss it scene of a head getting smashed and i was like oh shit okay yeah um <laughs> exactly. the rest of it makes it look like i'm a teen super boy hero you know Woo-hoo! and i'm like <laughs> yeah i feel like they are gonna explore that um Especially because they're like Robert Kirkland. Although I don't think, did they mention that he's part of the Walking Dead? I don't know if they mentioned that. They didn't name check Walking Dead, no. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, Maybe because they think that those audiences aren't going to overlap too much. I don't know. We'll see. Hmm. I prefer Invincible over the Walking Dead's comic, I'll say. Me too. At this point, me too. And I've read all of the Walking Dead and zero Invincible. (laughs) <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's not a ringing endorsement <laughs> Invincible's great I think it's Kirkman's best work nice yeah I would say that yeah and just to give you an idea um, I got into Invincible around the same time I got into Fables so <laughs> that was where my tastes okay. were at the time and they're nothing alike but I'm just saying like that's like the the level yeah. I was expecting and I liked it so what are, cool. are you able to summarize Invincible for I mean, is it just as a refresher? Yeah, How definitely. Would you describe it. Um, okay, so it's Superboy, um, but it's done in a way more realistic, fun fashion. Um, basically, you have a young man who discovers he has superpowers, pretty equivalent to Superboy. He discovers that his father is the world's biggest superhero, and uh, so he's half alien in this case. Um, and he um, he's like, holy crap, I'm going to be a superhero. And it's very much like a real life struggling as close. OK. I guess I would have to say it's also like Spider-Man because no hero has struggled juggling his real life. With the superpowered life like Invincible does. Mm. Like it, it's it's as close as it would be would be Spider-Man. 
Um, so it's just him being a teenager and him going, you know, visiting colleges and stuff like that. But it's also one of the most important things about it is incredibly over the top is one of the best things about it. Um, Very. Some, some of the characters are amazing. Uh, one of the ones me and Liz always make the joke about is there's these brother and sister duo that they have multiple man's powers and her name is duplicate and he's multiple. <laughs> like, uh, I like that. Th- there's a lot of this. And then it also has one of my favorite um, girlfriend characters. She's actually a full on hero herself. Um, and uh, I, I really liked her and she has a really great arc too. I think, I think Liz, we've talked about her quite a bit. Yeah. Um, Eve, right. Isn't it like, Adam yeah. Eve Adam, Eve. Yeah. Adam Eve. Yeah. 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 Monster Girl's a fun character, too. That's her name, right? Monster Girl. Monster Girl's great. Monster Girl is an adult woman trapped in an 11-year-old girl's body who can transform into a monster. Yeah. Well, no, she's not trapped. It's just every time she uses her powers, she gets younger. That's right. That's what it was. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like she could turn into this really super strong monster, uh, I don't know, like lizard man thing so she's yeah, like, got yeah. all, like super strength and you know healing and all that but every time she uses her powers she gets a little bit younger so she's like 23 or 25 that's right she wasn't that like old 11 yeah so it's, that, it was she like acts kind of really mature <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> she very much curses and she like she's great and then i like yeah. robot a lot too yeah no there's like it's a fun comic um i think it got uh it was hard for me to read because it was just like it was always hard for me to get comics back in the town I used to live um, legally, yeah. anyways. And uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was just like difficult. Um, it was it was kind of inaccessible to me legally. So I kind of only read about half of the comic. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. excited to watch the show, and um, hopefully they'll catch up catch me up and i don't know maybe the comics will get more popular again so it'll be easier to find uh, it yeah. does remind me a lot of um how when you say like realistic superheroes to me it's like the boys amazon's the boys it's very mm. much like i think tonally that's kind of the impression i got from the trailer just animated so yeah that, that's cool yeah it's like the boys but idealistic yeah, not as like grim. Yeah, definitely not yeah. as like jaded as the boy. This is this is a, a a story where you know somebody some the writer likes superheroes and you know thinks they're fun <laughs> at its core. <laughs> they're not just like you know making fun of it the entire time. So yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's positive. And then, but it is. And like, then there's <laughs> there's a little twist with it where his alien race basically when they get the shit beaten on them the worse they get beaten they can't die first of all um but the worse they are they heal and they're that much stronger when they heal so it's very much like a saiyan in dragon ball z yeah so it gets incredibly violent at times (laughs) like so like he's nearly killed multiple times but yeah um (laughs) next thing i want to mention is a little combo yeah go ahead for the, for the readers that are, are interested, as far as collecting this, uh, Invincible is collected in compendiums, like those giant, giant books. Mm-hmm. And it's only three of them. And that's, like the, I guess, like the whole collected set. So if you want to nice. read them, it's like you can just like get three giant-ass books for what, 65 bucks. You can also read the first three volumes on Kindle for free. Nice. So. 
All right, so the next thing is really quick, a comic book that we're going to get from IDW that is actually uh, a second chance comic book. We had this comic, people liked it, and now it's getting relaunched. And it's actually a Marvel property, which is continuing towards that IDW-Marvel partnership that we keep seeing more of. Um, Marvel yes. Action Captain Marvel. Um, so it's, it's going to be more of an all-ages Captain Marvel book. And they described it as uh, more Chewy and Carol adventures. Uh, so it's going to be Sam Maggs writing it and I love Sam Maggs and I hope she hears this. Uh, you are amazing. I love you. And, um, <laughs> the artist is Sweeney Boo, who I'm not super familiar with. So I'm, I'm curious to see where that goes. Um, it'll also feature art by, uh, apparently a newcomer, Isabel Escalante, uh, who will take care of the first two part story. Um, so yeah. And then also it does include a team up with ghost spider with Gwen. So pretty excited about that. I like that Marvel's using IDW in this way uh, to kind of do Elseworlds stuff. Yeah. Like it's a good way to brand it that way. So that's really cool. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. Might pick it up. I like an all ages book. So um, next up is a quick little spoiler from Batman 100. Hmm. <laughs> um, it's not as bad as last week's spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, Liz, uh, you weren't here, so I didn't get your reaction, but I showed you this weekend. Mm-hmm. Barbara and Jason kissing. No, I, no, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I, I don't acknowledge it. Like most of DC's con- current continuity decisions they've made, I do not see it. I am looking away. <laughs> I do not acknowledge it. And if I swear to God, if they like push this into a full-blown relationship, I will be quite upset. Yeah. So the spoiler from Batman 100 is vaguely related to this. Oh yeah, not related. That um, that whole plot you told me about that. I'm sorry, that issue. Uh, did not care for it. <laughs> is my review. I was telling Liz, I was literally like, Jason killed the Joker that killed and tortured him. Liz's like, good. And I'm like, and then two other Jokers beat him nearly to death. She's like, oh. I know. <laughs> She's like, can't get, can't win, can't get ahead. <laughs> Everything has to be grim. Um, so the spoiler from Batman 100 is that they're having a big fight and everything. And suddenly across all the radio dispatches and stuff, you get Gotham city. This is the voice of Oracle. So Barb is Oracle again, like voluntarily. Okay. Uh, so she's actually going to be running things, but she can also fight if she needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, as myself, my favorite bat character is is Barbara. Um, I love Barbara, and um, I loved Oracle way more than Batgirl. For the record, um, I thought when they retconned her spine to be repaired, I thought that was the cheapest, lamest thing they did in the New Fifty Two. But at least they're making her Oracle again. That's all that really matters. Uh, I expect good things from that. So. Uh, did you guys have any opinions on Oracle versus Batgirl or anything? I mean, uh, okay. yeah, you go for it, Liz. Sorry, it's just it's complex because on the one hand, yes, they live in a world with magic and you know super futuristic technology, so it can be realistic that um, I guess you know she can get better. Um, but I think it's just a bit dis- like it's also hard because like. You know, she was a disabled, um, is it quadriplegic, mm-hmm. you know, character that 
found value in life and was like actually important and, you know, was a hero um, without having to go out and beat up people. So I, I really liked that aspect and I always preferred Barbara. I thought she was, I thought Oracle is a cooler character personally. Like Agreed. even if she were, uh, you know, quote, like had healed, I guess. Um I still think it's a much cooler character than Batgirl. Batgirl to me is like more juvenile. And plus I really enjoyed like Cass Kane and Stephanie Brown. That was Batgirl. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, yeah. So I have complex feelings about it. Um, I think like it's not unrealistic that she could have gotten, you know, the surgeries and the, you know, the magic button that they put in her spine or whatever to fix, you know, quote, fix her uh, injuries. Like, okay, you know, it's, it's comic books. Um, I'm, yeah. But at the same time, it just doesn't feel earned to me, like narratively, like it all, like you said, it all happens off screen. And I don't like the tone in the marketing where it's very much like from, you know, analyst to hero and i'm like no 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 no. she she was a hero as oracle oracle was a great yeah. character and um so i i feel like they're they're really just kind of they don't i feel like at the end of the day dc doesn't know what to do with oracle so they're just gonna get rid of it and throw it away and yeah. um that's how i feel about that whole you know batgirl being able to walk again basically yeah Houseway, you want to add anything Oh, um, no, that was beautiful. And like, super well done. I'm not as invested in the Bat family. And so like, I was curious to see uh, from an outside standpoint to see like how this was treated. Because like, yeah, you're right. She became Oracle for a reason. You said like, it wasn't like, it doesn't feel earned. It's like, well, shit, I guess you're right. <laughs> if, if it is that way. So I t- definitely take your, your, your word for it. Well, yeah, yeah. And it's like the thing about Oracle is that was Gail Simone, I believe. Was she the one that created Oracle? Um, I don't think she created it, but she's the one that really took it off. Like okay, took off with sorry, it. You know? but yeah, but mm. yeah, she did Birds of Prey. Writer, and that's yeah, what made I, Birds of Prey. Maybe there was a writer before. I cannot remember right now. But anyways, mm. it's like Barbara what after the killing joke was shelved just as a character. And mm-hmm. Oracle was a way of them being like, you know what? I like this character. I understand she can't be Batgirl, but I'm gonna make I'm gonna write her. And I'm going to do something interesting with her. Like, she's going to, you know, have value and be important. She doesn't, she exists outside of her identity as Batgirl. And that was, like, I always thought just a cool arc. So that's why it's, like, it feels so unearned to me that she's, like, and reset, you know, crisis. She's she's Batgirl again. (laughs) Like, literally, the first issue in the 52 was literally, like, her being, like, thank God my spine healed. And I'm, like, like, it was just really lame. I didn't like that at all. And like there was a there was a pretty big backlash from the disabled community being like, that's all we had, man. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah, like, I was gonna say like, um, our, let's okay, let's do the fun game, like you know, Marvel versus DC. Name another DC character that has a physical disability, you know, and is still a hero. Yeah. Like, there's only one, and there's only one I can think of. I can't remember her name, and she was in Batgirl. And Gail <laughs> Simone introduced her because oh of what they brought Barb back. Like, so that's literally it. Um, yeah. So that's that's. But I mean, literally, cool. Professor X. <laughs> like, like, he's front yeah. and center. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. With Marvel, it's like I can give you the top ten right now. Yeah. Like, but, well, okay. we won't we won't get into that because yeah, <laughs> you'll get me going. So I have a couple articles I want to get to anyway. So we'll get through it quick. Um, the rest of this is about Star Wars, and I'm very excited about Star Wars. This is going to be a great year, guys. Um, 
So we got the title crawl for Star Wars The High Republic, the new series of books that are coming out. And I'm going to read it to you guys. Star Wars The High Republic. The galaxy is at peace, ruled by the glorious Republic and protected by the noble and wise Jedi Knights. As a symbol of all that is good, the Republic is about to launch a starlight beacon into the far reaches of the Outer Rim. This new space station will serve as a ray of hope for all to see. But just as a magnificent renaissance spreads the Republic, so does a frightening new adversary. Now the Guardians of Peace and Justice must face a threat to themselves, the galaxy, and the Force itself. Nice. I'm so excited about this shit, guys. Yeah, that's very dope, yeah. <laughs> so that leads me to my other bit I want to talk about with Star Wars. Uh, I sent this to our group chat, but <laughs> I we have to talk about this. Okay, so um, we talked about this during Comic-Con. They're releasing an anthology book for Star Wars that's going to be 40 different points of view for the story of Empire Strikes Back. 40 different characters experiencing Empire Strikes Back from their point of view. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited. And they released blurbs for all 40 of them. Oh, nice. Okay. So, yeah. The first one appears to be about Imperial probe droids. <laughs> and I'm just going to go through these quick because there's a bunch of them. The Wampa on Hoth that Luke kills. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> who's just chilling in this cave i know i wanted to be like a tragic tale i was like oh i found this lost boy i'll take care of him during the snow so he doesn't die and then luke's just being like die <laughs> uh torin far um uh some people on hoth that are just like doing their normal job we don't have a character name yet mm. the, uh the tauntaun that luke <laughs> has to cut open to stay warm is getting its own book the Tauntaun felt everything. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like, <laughs> it took forever to die. Um, like, uh, Corey Selgoth. Um, and then this one's cool. Um, when Luke is missing in Hoth, they send the Rogue Squadron out to go find him. I want to read that. That sounds yeah. cool. Yeah, that's dope. Uh, Admiral Ozel, Dak Ralter. Um... This one, it doesn't really tell us who it's going to be, uh, but it's written by Michael Morisi, and he's amazing. So, uh, General Veers. And then, let's see. Uh, this one is a naturalist, like a guy literally studying the nature on Hoth, who's just a scientist who's just there while the shit's going down, basically. Oh my God, what the fuck? Yeah. This one is an RTD2 point of view, which I'm very excited about. Uh, Admiral Piet. Um, Wedge and Tilly's, which I'm very excited about because I love Wedge and Tilly's. Um, this one I think is from the point of view of a Star Destroyer, but not the ship itself, but the people inside of it, you know? Yeah. Um, this one's from a TIE pilot. Uh, this one is cool. It's Yoda's point of view when he first meets Luke. Ooh, okay. That, that sassy attitude, Yoda. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, this one is from the Emperor's point of view. And okay. then the one that me and Josue were like, fuck yes. Uh, the space slug, the Exegorth. Oh my god. <laughs> it has to answer the most important question of all. How were they able to breathe inside of it? It's, yeah, inside it's, of its it's, open it's, mouth? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was an asteroid. It's not a planet. It doesn't contain its own atmosphere. It's, it's, it's a little rock in space and a slug found a home like a hermit crab. <laughs> and they went outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, there's a bunch. I'm not going to get into all of them. Uh, the other one I'm most looking forward to is Lando Calrissian's chef. <laughs> okay. Who has to cook dinner for Darth Vader when he shows up. Oh, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is genius, guys. Oh, and Dangar and IG-88. So IG-88 is the the duplicate of the robot from The Mandalorian. Oh, uh, okay. So. Yeah, so I'm very excited about that. I'm going to pick up that book 100%. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all I got news-wise. Do you guys got anything? Um, no. I don't think so. No. I think um, that's it. <laughs> cool. Let's start with Manga. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to get some stuff out of the way real quick. Um, you Never Learn was really good. The little girl performed surgery on him, and he is good now, and they love each other, and they declare their love. And yay, I think I'm going to have one more issue in their story, and they're going to be done. Uh, also, <sighs> Josue yes. has begun reading Mago-chan. Yeah, it's finally. So <laughs> my prediction between which one of you would read it first was correct. <laughs> so let's say go going oh, I predicted you, yeah. Okay, go, go ahead and give me your, your overview of Magochan. First of all, how far did you get? Okay, so I did only just read the first chapter, but I'm like one hundred percent in love with it. Um I did want to start it before you just gave me more shit and for another episode. <laughs> and it's like honestly to be honest, why not why didn't I start it sooner? It's so fucking adorable. <laughs> <laughs> but this fucking little shit, I, I just love him just accepting modern times where, like, he's just been, like, this, like, deity and, like, only, has only known to have a following. And now this goofy girl this just completely undermines him at every turn because he's just that cute. But he's just such a little shit. So she slaps him around because <laughs> he's just a tiny little thing. And he just... And instead of being angry, he could beam her, but he's just like attached to her because all he wants to do is like, if I can just win her, I'll be able to win everybody. And I love that that's the fucking idea. If like, if I could just win this one girl that just doesn't get it, I'll be okay. And oh man, it's it's so fucking good. I love the scene in the first issue where she's asleep and she wakes up and Magachan is posted up in the corner of her yes. room, like <laughs> up in the top corner of the wall, and he's just looking down at her. <laughs> like, so you can finally have a chance. Like, she's like, you just want to be taller than me. He's like, silence. Like, it's so great. So, all right, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're reading it. Uh, I won't talk too much about the new chapter. Um, it really shifted to the school, is okay. what I'll say. Mm-hmm. So her like little friendship circle is is getting more important, and like they have the, all three of the other gods there, and it's like it's just great. So yeah, yeah. Right um, now it's just uh, the other guy, like her her only other friend that we've seen. Because I mean, it's just the first one, the but, one that's clearly in love with her. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. So, um, but yeah, awesome. And then the other manga we have is <sighs> my hero. Whoa. Okay. Um. I'm assuming everybody read it. Yes. He was incorrect. This is uh, getting intense. Really intense. Um, so, Bakugo, last time we checked, was stabbed with Black Whip, basically. <laughs> so Three times. Um, four times? Yeah. Bit, yeah. All four fingers went in. Yeah. And his whole stop trying to win this on your own. It's like, uh, <laughs> like as he falls to his death. No. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's just 
Yeah. I also like that, like, they flash back to the instruction of, you know, when you use this power of anger or really start working for you, what really matters is controlling your heart. Oh, man. He gets the, he remembers that when Bakugo gets hurt. <laughs> like, and not that, anything else. And, and the shippers a, are going crazy. <laughs> the amazing, like, mob psycho eye that he gets is so great. Oh, yeah. Uh, but before that, the the shot of Shoujo or Shoto holding Endeavor and then catching Bakugo midair, so dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say like I know this this has been like a crazy arc, but can I just say that I think Todoroki deserves MVP for this? <laughs> Literally, <laughs> just keeping everything from falling apart. <laughs> Literally yeah. keeping us cool. He's tanking. Tanks don't get a lot of credit, so yeah. No, I'm talking about like Todoroki for catching. Uh, yeah, that's Bakugo. what I'm saying. Like, oh, like, yeah. like he put the big wall up. Like, that's not flashy or anything. You that's know what true, I mean? Like, I guess. yeah, he is doing. He's like, he's the off tank right now. <laughs> he's doing his job. <laughs> what was that? Sorry. Yeah, what's up? Sorry, you broke up. What were, what were you saying? Oh, I didn't say anything. Sorry. Oh, okay, cool. All right, and then we see. Um, we see our villain's face split in half. And that was some creepy shit. <laughs> like, yeah, that was some, I had that to was like, great horror animation. Right there. <laughs> I had to sit and just absorb what I was seeing. I'll be honest. Like the oh, art was just crazy for Shigaraki. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we bounce back to the the other kids for a little bit, not very long, uh, just to kind of check in with them and to show that you know, Gigantomaki is just plowing through a city, basically. So. Um, oh wait, sorry. Can I just say, yeah. of all the kids they chose to show, we noticed that Mineta was not one of them. Well, yeah. Kid. What would he do? Mineta. He'd make <laughs> he'd make him stick to the ground so he'd just thrash around a bit. Like <laughs> that was a goal. I mean, you could try to like you know. <laughs> I just like to point out when he's like <laughs> not doing anything useful. <laughs> so. In the end, it looks like... Okay, so explain to me, Josue, what you think happens here. Uh, so this other void that they go to, it's... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like where we saw, like, past... Like, obviously, like, the past of other, other people. Yeah. It seems like right here, or based on, like, the last line, it seems like Shigaraki can't move either. And the only reason yeah. why I guess like he's able been able to take a take a step forward even in the real life, not even so much here in the void, is because of his master. And I guess he's the one that's really been like pushing him every step every step after when he I guess he should have this shit should have been over a long time ago I guess. Um, yeah. But it, it almost seemed like he, like he Shigaki was like okay in the void, but at the very least he he can talk. I guess he's just that one that one step further than Midoriya for a second. So I don't know if we're gonna hit this like round two in this void based on like, like, yeah, fucking let's just, let's bring them out all for one against like, um, any of the last one for us. Yeah. I'm waiting. I think we're gonna have a really dope group shot in the next one. No, oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. What about, what about you, Liz? What are you, what are you thinking at the end of this one? Yeah. I think they're in the, uh, you know, the spirit world where they can actually go all out against <laughs> each other. And, um, it's probably going to be dope. I don't know. I, I Actually, I kind of expect, instead of a big fight scene, I expect dialogue um, yeah. in these next chapters. Because, uh, the next one, yeah. I, yeah, I feel we're about to get some reveals 
um, and some dialogue between um, one for all or all for one and um, the inheritors of the past users of one for all. So mm -hmm. that's going to be cool. Um, I'm trying to remember the last time Midoriya's hair looked like that. It, there's like it's triggering a memory in me, but I cannot remember where it was. And maybe it was hmm. when he activated the black quirk power. But it's like I feel like it happens whenever he's like in this uh, introspective, you know, world. If or maybe I'm tripping. And I mean, I, I, I know I, get, I know what you mean. And depending mm -hmm. on the coloring, because it's, yeah, it's black and white, it is like when he kind of goes all out. So I guess like, you like. One of you said it like this. It's a, probably a place where they can just fight it all out because that's really mm -hmm. kind of when they go one hundred percent. And again, I'm not going to spoil a lot, but watch the movies. Watch that second movie, guys. Like the oh, hair's kind of. Like yeah, you know what? Okay, you're right. That's I think what a triggering the because I did see the movie. <laughs> so okay, yeah, that makes sense. And if he's just going all out, mm -hmm. yeah. So um, I can't wait because this is the first time we've actually are going to hear um all uh gosh like all might's mentor speak in real time mm -hmm. i guess like not through a flashback right so, yeah. and they have been building up to this confrontation between her and shigaraki this entire arc yeah so that's why i'm like i'm pretty sure we're gonna get some some dialogue probably some pain um and then i don't know he's probably gonna kill her <laughs> just something i don't know <laughs> like, just, Again. like we'll see we'll see what happens yeah. mm -hmm. so i'm thinking like what if one of the personas you know is killed in this shadow realm by Shigaraki. Right. Does he lose their associated power? Ah, oh, fuck. Yeah. I, is that why that one is blurred out? Yeah, that's that's the I, one thing I'm thinking of. Like, we've talked about Liz. Liz specifically a couple weeks ago mentioned he's getting to the point where he needs to be nerfed a little bit because mm -hmm. he's just so powerful. And I'm like, that would be a very effective way to nerf him. Right. Like, just saying. Like so. But yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. I think I think you're right. I think the next one. I think we've been burning hot for a couple of volume or a couple of issues. So we. Honestly, no, you're, issue, you're right. You know? I think we're like two volumes in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. this has been a long fight. I will say, I mean, it's been. Um, I haven't been this. I think captivated by a action manga in a long time. Like to keep up with it week to week. Normally, I yeah. get kind of burned out after a while. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it's good writing. Like I really like this story. This re I really like this uh, manga. I really like the show, but d I am ready for um, another dance competition. <laughs> you know, yeah, something fun. Festival. <laughs> <laughs> they keep like having these ominous dialogues where it's like it just feels like those days are over now, and I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I I'd like to go back. <laughs> Let's yeah. have another tournament tournament arc. <laughs> For real, so. at least that's what we get. What we're getting for the next season on the on the anime, yeah. It's when it's a one A versus one B, which was which was a great arc too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for like low stakes, you know. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, we'll see if we get some low stakes again. It'd be, I mean, but the I am enjoying the high stakes, and I like I said, I bet this is going to be really, really, really good to read all at once, like to yeah. read yeah. this arc from beginning to end all mm -hmm. at once. I bet this is it's going to move a lot faster. I'm sure and be a lot like easier to digest <laughs> so. nice cool anyone else have any other manga they want to talk about oh um yes fucking oh man fucking a we were treated with a special one shot for demon slayer and i saw that i was wondering if you were gonna read it yeah it wasn't it wasn't a lot it was just like a good little like hey 
remember this really beloved character? Let's give you a little chapter <laughs> on like when he was really, really cool coming up. And that was uh, Rengoku, which was the flame Hashira. And oh man, we're going to see a lot of him in the movie. And he's, he's just really the fucking best. He's just so fucking awesome. So instead of getting him like, giving him like something, another super dope thing that we expect from him it was just him kind of coming up or when he was struggling before he was a hashira and when it, he, he kind of inadvertently saved uh the sisters who ended up being a hashira but it was cool there was a cool little fight with the demon and how he was able to kind of like figure out because the demon like played a flute and you get like hypnotized or just really mesmerized but and like your all your nerves would just get all fucked up so you try to take a step forward and like your arm would raise and shit like that so this dude had already wiped out a fuckload of demon slayers and so when, when he got there he kind of just like scoped it out and was like, really, I was like, oh shit. Sees like the flute, instantly just covers his ears with like this, his sword. And with the flute, he also calls out these two like like demon hounds. And right before they get to him, he just kills them all, all three, in pretty much in one cool one, two, like flame swoop. And that was because of some, some of the demon slayers before they died they realized what they had to do and they figured out to just like do uh, sign language. So when he covered his ears, he literally blew out his eardrum so he, so he wouldn't have to listen to flute and that's how he was able to do it. And it just goes to show Rengoku just being the coolest and I just missed him so much. <laughs> it was really good. I hope they do a lot uh, more one shots of these guys. This shit should have gone for a lot longer. But it's, like I told you guys, every single time, every single demon, every single boss would just be like, as soon as he, he should die in the, in the shonen way, the writer was just like, well, you know what? I'm not done. I'm going to step it up like two more times and make it even that much harder. So it just really seemed like the ending like had to come out of, out of that short. But ooh, it was cool. That one shot was cool. Nice. Um, next, we'll move on to web comics. Uh, I, I'm just reading my usuals. Uh, quick updates. Uh, questionable content. Uh, this girl basically found out a guy she went to school with and used to make fun of is now hot. And so she she accidentally calls him by his own name, and they go on a date, and it's actually really cute. And then in Dumbing of Age, um, it's still starting the new semester of that you know the college story, and one of the boys finds out that his new roommate is like gender neutral, and pretty much everybody's okay with it. Um, the one girl who's like the conservative Christian and is kind of the the author's insert self insert. Mm-hmm. Um, she's slowly learning to be okay with things. And so literally everybody's nervous to introduce them. And uh, the first thing she says, Hey, this is your new roommate. Does he know that he looks like he's wearing girls makeup? <laughs> like, it's just like, Oh no. Oh. But then she ends up, her actual quote was, uh, um, well, the, the, the dude says, uh, uh, this is my new roommate. Their name is booster. She goes, Oh, and he goes, Bushi uses they, them pronouns. And she has this look on her face. Like she's processing. She goes, I have questions and concerns, but I also remember I'm usually wrong, so I will accept what you told me at face value and later do some private research. <laughs> so oh my god! Like, oh. My camera will be like that. I was like, at, yeah. at least my camera will be like that. Yeah, but everybody was worried she was going to say something stupid, and then she's yes. like, "I will accept this for now." <laughs> like I was god. like, "Oh." So I love Joyce, but yeah, um, that's everything for web comics. Liz, you had a web comic, right? Yes, um, I'm going to talk about Loving Reaper uh, by Jenny Jinya. So these comics I had actually seen floating around the internet for years, if not a decade or now. Um, they're they're like animal. Okay, so the the base of the comic is um, 
there's like the the one I think that go, gets the most like traction is the puppy one, where it begins with like this little puppy tied to a post. Uh, it's called Good Boy. Sorry. Um, so it begins with this little puppy that's tied to a post just on the side of a road, and the, he's just waiting. Okay, and he and then the Grim Reaper shows up. And it's like, time to go, doggy. And he's like, but my family hasn't come back yet. And um, the Grim Reaper's like, I don't think they're coming. And the puppy looks just I, uh, so sad. And he's just like, I'm cold. And like the Grim Reaper is just like, okay, well, we'll wait five more minutes. Um, but the implication is very much that the family tied him to a post and left him, basically. Like abandoned this dog. And um, nobody's coming. And the dog dies. And um, it's really sad. And yeah, no, I know it's horrible. And then um, they they actually, it's so sad that the uh, artist actually went back and retconned this ending to kind of give it a bit of a happier ending. The dog still dies, but basically, the dog is given the Grim Reaper hooks it up with the soul of a kid that also died, so the dog at least is somebody. And um, but she writes basically, she's like, okay, let's be realistic, like. You know, th- hundreds and thousands of animals are abandoned every year. Like, if you're going to get a dog, adopt. You know, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like it has a little bit yes. of a message at the end. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> dude, I don't know. Like, there was a couple weeks ago. I just came across it, and I read, like, almost every single one. They're on <laughs> Webtoon. And that was not a good thing to do, especially, like, when you're trying to go to sleep. Um, oh and and yeah, it's I just like, do this. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just like, I can't stop. But, yeah, like, there's the one about dogs. There's one about, like, kittens, you know, um, animal abuse. Um, the one that absolutely wrecked me was um, the parakeet one, where mm-hmm. it's, like, this parakeet. It, it shows it when the ba- the parakeet's a baby and it's learning the song from its mother where the mother's teaching him to sing like, you know, I'm cute and I'm a parakeet and, you know, eating happy. Uh, I'm so loved or something like that. Okay. So, and then the parakeet gets adopted by a little girl, but you know, it's, la- it's singing the song, like the whole time it's singing the song that its mom taught it. And people are like, shut the bird up, you know? So they put it in a room with a, like a, a cloth over it um, by itself and it's just kind of singing its little song quieter and quieter as it gets passed from like multiple families and um, finally it dies and the Grim Reaper comes to it and he's like hello uh, what's your name and the bird's like shut up and he's like excuse me and he's like my name's shut up because <laughs> that's the only Aww. thing people have said to it and, so um, dude I know and it's basically just and then of course you know and then he's the room I mean that's kind of how it ends and uh, the Grim Reapers, I'm sorry, the little, like, message at the end is basically, like, these are exotic animals. They, you know, are going to be really loud and shrill, and they're also social creatures, so getting one by itself is very cruel, because um, they're, like, meant to be part of a flock. <laughs> mm. And basically don't get one unless you're prepared to, you know, get multiples and also, I guess, have a bird chirp all the time and sing all the time and you know etc right, yeah. that's so, their natural like <laughs> that's yes, what they do be, be <laughs> animal to be the animal yeah right especially exotic so like i don't know you know like I, I guess i'm just in the right like there was just a lot that just really hit me hard oh there's another one like my last one is the seagull trying to feed its baby and the um and it's feeding it garbage um and the baby dies and the bir- mother bird's just like I'm sorry, I failed you. I don't know why you're getting weaker. I give you food every day, but you're never full. And 
Oh, just, God. Damn. I know. I what know. Like, fuck, <laughs> you bring this shit to my show? No. <laughs> no, no, no. So um, it's on Webtoon. And I would say if you're in the mood to uh, read, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, it's definitely not a thing I would binge all night. Um, but they are really good. And like I said, they are kind of like, I mean, they uh, to me, they're much more effective than like the Sarah McLaughlin commercials, you know, with the sad, yeah. cute puppies and kids. Because to me, like these comics are all about, I guess, like showing kind of like a bit more of a real side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's just basically like, yeah, if you know, pu- like the impact of human actions, I guess. Um, like our, our thoughtless cruelty. And I'm not always in the mood for those, but they are really good. Um, and they are all on Webtoon. And the artist, um, it's funny because I was reading interviews because people are like, I think people react to her and attack her because of the feelings that she evokes when you're reading her stuff, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is a little messed up. I understand. But like, but she basically writes how sometimes these comics just take her so long because it's like upsetting to her to like tackle these subjects. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, or emotionally draining, I guess I would say. But, um, yeah, they are really good. And every time I see them, I end up reading them like I can't stop. But uh, like uh, when, you know, somebody posts them <laughs> online or they they hit Twitter, that's actually what happened. It's like the parakeet one was on Twitter and I was just like tearing up like I, he's crying. He's, he's singing the song his mom taught him in the corner. Like, yeah, um, but they're really good. And um, they're called uh, Loving Reaper Comics. And uh, I think they're on Webtoon and they're by... Um, Jenny um, Heffish, I'm not really sure how you say it, but she goes by Jenny, uh, J-I-N-Y-A, online is her handle, Jenny Jinya. And um, yeah, they're really like, um, I don't know, I guess if you like animals and animal rights, <laughs> this is the comic for you, but maybe read them in small doses. So yeah, I was traumatized, so I had to share. <laughs> Thanks, Liz. Yeah, thanks yep. for that. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it did. Hey, it did make me feel good that we did adopt our our pets. So nice. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm not trying Ira. to contribute. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, moving on from that, <laughs> um, books. Uh, the only book I touched this week is I actually started reading one of David Cross's books. Um, I got hooked into it. Uh, I like David Cross. He's a pretty funny guy. Um, but I saw online that uh, a long time ago, this is like, I think published in 09, uh, Larry the Cable Guy talked a bunch of trash about David Cross. David Cross dedicated an entire chapter of this book to a letter to Larry the Cable Guy. And I listened to him read it on YouTube, and I'm like, I'm going to read the fuck out of this book because it's hilarious. <laughs> so it basically accuses Larry the Cable Guy of being like this, like fake redneck he's like you're from nebraska which isn't even the south your name is not even larry he's like you have this cultivated image you know and he's like you just uh he's like if you really care about the hard working blue collar people like you care to your tickets wouldn't be so expensive and you wouldn't sell everything with your name on it i was like god damn (laughs) like just fucking obliterates him and he just keeps making jokes the entire time about like farts are really funny and stuff (laughs) (laughs) as someone who just absolutely cannot stand like that entire group except for ron white ron white's great oh yeah but, ron white's good. yeah but like jeff foxworthy and larry the cable guy and other guy the here's your sign billing vol maybe billing vol yeah 
Yeah, I, I can't stand any of them, so <laughs> it was really great. So I'm not done with it, uh, but I'll finish it up pretty quick. It's you know, it's an easy read. So, any books for anybody? Uh, not for me. Liz? Mm-mm, not right now. Cool. We're gonna kick to comics, and we're gonna start with our mutual read. New X-Men, Volume 2. Okay, so this is actually a five-issue read for us because there's a three-issue arc and two-issue arc. Mm -hmm. And then it launches into a pretty major arc, so I don't want to, I didn't want to, like, start one issue of it and then wait a week, you know, so. Yeah. So let's start with the first arc, uh, which is a, you know, I I wouldn't say filler arc. Uh, It doesn't really feel like a filler, but it's just like a side arc in the school. Uh, where they think the school might be haunted. <laughs> uh, so let's start with Liz. What did you think of the first arc? Um, you know, if I was, uh, I, it was okay. Um, I, I, it wasn't like I didn't hate it um, mm-hmm. until the ending, and the ending reveal of what the ghost child is is one of the most horrifying and like existentially upsetting things oh. I've ever had to <laughs> contemplate. And I don't feel like they. Uh, really did it justice to basically uh, kind of explain like exactly how horrible this poor kid's life, like, and what his existence is. So, um, but other than that, you know, it was good. I liked meeting uh, David's <laughs> sister and you're like, other than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It was just like, they just skip right over it. Basically this kid is a X-Men where the school is getting destroyed. I think, is this when, like, the... Did I read this arc where the school gets destroyed? I feel like the school gets destroyed, like, every couple No, years. this was the one that took place between the two series that we're reading. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. so anyways, he goes back for, like something stupid a picture of his family but he's a teleporter his power is teleportation so, some dumb shit <laughs> well i guess they're yeah okay i, I will give him that i i will give, allow it because he is his power is teleportation so i mean it would make sense to me just pop in the room and pop back out except oh no 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 it's like basically while he's teleporting out of his bedroom he dies mid teleport i guess uh they mm-hmm. don't really explain how he dies but he does and so he's just trapped in this hellish, like, twilight of existence between life and death. And he, um, yeah, that that's, uh, they don't really explain, like, is it going to get cured? No. Is he going to be a child forever? He seems to think so. He doesn't even think he is alive. Um, so, yeah, he basically is a ghost. And um, I don't really understand why he was, like, had to be such a jerk about it. Like, he was, like leave now and i'm kind of like it makes it seem like oh he's reliving like his death you know but no 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 he's not he's just telling him to get out and he's angry i guess that he's uh you know half dead um so yeah other than that um that was he's okay um i did like it when they did they tried to do like a ghostbusters type thing where they were like doing a seance and stuff and yeah that was funny um julian was helpful which was cool. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, Julian's the best. <laughs> I love Julian. I did actually like him a lot in this arc. The art was also yes. really good in this arc, yeah. which helped a lot. Um, because I like when he catches David in midair with the teleportation power, or sorry, um, they get teleported and they fall like 20 feet. And um, he basically catches a few of them in midair. And I'm just like, that's pretty dope. I, I, I do like mm. that. So, yeah. Um, also, Kevin goes to therapy which is funny. Kevin Wither is um, the one that, you know, as he tells everybody he meets, he killed his dad. 
Uh, he... <laughs> hey, my name's Kevin. I killed my dad. <laughs> I know. Literally, that's the dialogue in the intro that character. Um, yeah, he, he has to go see a therapist. I actually really liked how Emma handled that. And um, I, I don't know. I really like the, this kid's scenes. I feel like they actually, like, uh, this. the series is a bit melodramatic. But when it comes I mean, to this, it's teenagers. Yeah, but when it comes to Wither, I don't know. Like every time they actually do the drama with him, I'm like super into it. So I don't know what mm-hmm. it says about me, but I I dig it and I like it, and I kind of wish he was the main character, um, or at least a bigger character. But uh, yeah. yeah, that was cool. Um, the love triangle. I'm so over Josh Elixir <laughs> Rain. <laughs> like everything i'm over it I it's hate coming it. don't worry it's coming you told <laughs> it's me that last time no no the next arc <laughs> is the arc okay yeah that's why i, I, stopped I, this, I so. figured but like oh god it was like ridiculous it's just so ridiculous but yeah yeah anyways um, it was a good good solid arc overall in the first arc liz i wanted to ask you because you're not a fan did it change your opinion of surge at all <laughs> no i still hate her i want her on <laughs> I hate her so much. Wasn't she annoys me. Sister told her, like, yo, next thing you have an opinion, just don't. That was great. <laughs> I, I, I liked it. I was like, yeah. yeah." It was like, you should take your own advice, Serge. Like, non-sarcastic. <laughs> Say that again, but not being sarcastic. And, um, <laughs> yeah, she was annoying. I'm sorry. I, uh, but she's I just, the one who, who cared about Jeffrey. Yeah, no, I hate that. Honestly, <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Right. I, it makes no sense to me that why would she ca- oh because they, she has a convenient little brother that she misses uh, get over it um, over it I like how also like sorry side note about a surge Icarus is like yeah I tried to commit suicide because you know my girlfriend died before I came here and I'm oh I'm my god torn up. and she's like you have your family though I have nothing Dude, yeah like, that shit was like cold like what the fuck sir? <laughs> Dude, come yeah, on. like he literally just says he tried to commit suicide and she's like well how do I make this about me? I think that's why I don't like her. She's just oh, super yeah. dramatic. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything she does, it has to be about her. And it's just like, I hate her. All right. Anyways. I can't, I can't forgive her of that because Jay is one of my favorite characters. So I'll, I'm with you there. <laughs> so, it's like, um, and it was really oh. sad, the whole thing with him. Like, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I totally forgot it happened in that arc mm-hmm. with, with his ex-girlfriend and stuff. and. He, like, he heals just like Angel. A lot of people don't realize that Angel has a healing factor. Mm-hmm. And actually, their blood heals people. It's like a potion that will heal people, basically. It's the Ooh. opposite of Nightcrawler. Hook basically. him up on an IV. Dr- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, so, <laughs> he, um, so he heals from everything, but he's got this scar that won't heal. So it's kind of weird. It's never going to be gone. Yeah, it's an emotional dramatic. wound. Yeah, yeah. no, and, and I want to make it clear. I don't think Serge is a bad character, but she is a bad person. So, yeah, I know. Yeah. I got you. Like, she's not bad, a bad character in that she's portrayed badly so much as just like she's a character that's designed for you to feel that way about her <laughs> she's just supremely unlikable to me <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah which you kind of supposed to start off with so uh Josue, what about the first arc for you oh yeah no pretty much we touched a bit a little bit about on it last week but yeah pretty much everything list covered it's I, I do i did like this first uh first part um quite quite a lot like kind of compared to kind of some of the other arcs because it didn't focus like just them focus being on the school and just like kind of like let's get out for a second and do some superhero shit like no like we're still like let's treat my students let's give them a little like student 
and yeah, like, I don't want to call it a filler arc either because it's mm-hmm. this the story is very much about the school and wh- what they go through. So to have some weird thing happen in this actual weird school, mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of why I really, really dug dug this one a lot. And like, yeah, Serge getting put in her place by by a little girl, no less, uh, was definitely a plus. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is when Surge starts to have self-awareness, just so you guys yeah. know. Like, so going forward, she's a lot more tolerable. So, All right, so let's talk about the second arc, uh, which is a two-parter and is centered around my boy Prodigy. Yes. Uh, Josue, I'll let you start. What did you think about this? First of all, I will. I, before you say anything, I want to acknowledge the art obviously changed, mm-hmm. and I fully expect Liz to have an opinion about it, but did you have a specific opinion about it? Um, I like everybody's hair. <laughs> awesome. 90s spikes the yeah. spiky forward now they put them coming down yeah everybody's, everybody looks super cool i like um, i like it because to me honestly when i look at especially that very first part, picture of cyclops yes i'm like this looks like a stylized toy which i'm down with as a toy you know but i was kind of like yes. i don't know if i like this as a comic but it was fine it was ignorable for the most part so yeah. so yeah what do you think of the the arc go ahead <laughs> oh well, you know me i fucking love dark dark shit and this just yeah. we already we, we, liz touched on it that the la- the first part got very grim with explaining this mutant ghost now let's take it a step further on what it would be like if we actually unleashed the potential of a super genius and every single time it's going to be the same fucking thing. Mad scientist. Uh, yeah. No, I, honestly, I really like it. Um, like I was saying last week as well, like I, it took me a second to, once it kind of starts going forward of like the time skip, mm-hmm. I didn't see that, I didn't see that coming until like I was just, I was literally, I was frozen on that page until like literally the next, I just have to look over and it's like, it's been 18 years. Like, oh shit, my bad. Um, yeah no it, but, they kind of stealth do it to you which is really yeah. cool so it, it was literally because if you're actually reading it you'll notice like it was like uh it's moonstar's id and it just reads like age 38 and it's like that's that's fucking weird when did she get that old <laughs> based on her being one of the new mutants um but yeah of course it, it does like a time skip but yeah it's all about david prodigy unlocking his full potential of retaining knowledge and always thinking that he's right and of course that, that always goes badly well, great for them up until like we have, we need to write a good ending. But uh, come on, we always we all we all know that a mad scientist would totally win if they actually that smart. But in this case, yeah. mutants are being like still being oppressed more so now by a mutant. And oh man, I don't know. I just I'll I'll pass it over for, for a second because it, it was really cool without getting too many details and I want to yeah. share. See, so, yeah, Liz, what do you think? Oh, well, I spoiled myself immediately on it. Um, I knew exactly. I knew it wasn't real. Yeah. I read it. Oh, yeah. Um, I did like it a lot. Yeah. Like, as soon as he's like, I cured cancer, I was like, this oh, is right. not real. I was <laughs> no, like, no shit now, of course. But I was wondering, it's like, how far they're going to take it every time. Right. I was suspicious when he left the school. Um, mm-hmm. I was kind of like, I wonder if they're going to do this. And then he's like, and I just cured cancer. And I'm like, this is totally still in his mind. Um, <laughs> and this is about to be a lesson. Um, no, I actually really liked it because I got a glimpse of the comic. Like, okay, so the comic, the second issue where he, it's in the future and they're all adults. And it's like this brave new world where he's the president slash supreme god king of Earth. Um, I really liked that <laughs> setting. I was like, I kind of wanted to read more of this comic. Um, <laughs> I was kind of enjoying it more than the teenage uh, version. Um, so I did enjoy it a lot. I disliked 
supremely dislike the ending, though, where they're like, okay, and that's what could happen. <laughs> I knew you were going to hate it. <laughs> on your greatest fears. Like, okay, if I was Prodigy, I'd be like, oh, so I'm just going to avoid those decisions. All right, please remove the block. Like, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you know, thank you for showing me um, where I need to draw the line. You know, like, I don't know. It felt a little bit patronizing that they're just kind of like also kind of manipulative that they did that to him without his consent. And uh, that they're they basically just scared him straight, you know, whereas yeah. I'm kind of like, you know, we don't know. Like, again, this is all based on the fears that he has for himself, which I feel like if you... Um, I don't know how to say have a high intelligence rating. Yeah. Like, like your empathy and I think morality can sometimes, uh, I don't know, like, I, I guess like you can override it with an, you know, an intellectual and logical argument. So I did like that. They revealed that about David's struggles with that, that mm-hmm. he has to, I, I, I don't know if they're going to explore it further, but it felt like to me very much like everything that he was saying, I know he had talked himself into basically into overriding his morals um, Mm -hmm. until he became this like cold, you know, person that can kill his friends with little thought. And um, yeah, I I honestly, I was like, what a great villain arc. I would have loved to actually read that comic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Too bad it's over in two issues. Um, One thing that I thought was really insanely funny was the incel rant he went on against Moonstar, against Danny when she was Mm. in the chair. That's so funny. Like, he's all like, if only you had given in to my advances, you wouldn't be dead right now. (laughs) Yeah, that was hilarious. And then the fact that he's married to Noriko, which is hilarious. And um, that she's like, I like that everybody was like, "Um, why are you joining us? And she's like, he's gone too far. And they're like, He's literally been doing all this bad stuff for years. <laughs> he killed like, Josh like 18 I know, years like, ago. Yeah, they're like, this This is the line. And she's like, He killed yes. Dust. Yeah, <laughs> right? Like, he's, ex- yeah, it's like, he's, he's, she's like, yeah, that, that, that is the line. I love him. And I, I like how, even as an adult, like, even, like, still, she's just the worst. So, um, <laughs> what, what I think is really interesting about that is, so this is how Prodigy finds out that he has a crush on her. Oh yes, like with, oh, yeah, with both okay. of them basically. Yeah. Yeah, he finds out that oh shit, I like Serge, and then he realizes it. So as we go into the rest of the book, you'll discover like he's very conscious that he's attracted to her now, and their relationship changes For without some reason. Yeah, and she's just like, "What's your problem?" Basically, like, so, <laughs> so course. I think that's really interesting. That leads to some kind of like, kind of the actual like character development for Surge too. So, yeah, um, it was. I lo- you know, I actually really it was my favorite of the two arcs that we read the, this week. Um, that one yeah. was my favorite for sure. I thought I thought it was cool. I like the I like the future like dystopia like of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I liked is it, it. Bishop is still a fucking asshole. <laughs> you, you <laughs> well. And I kind of like that it wasn't really a dystopia. It was kind of like, uh, I mean, yes, it was, but it wasn't like in a downtrodden, you know, world destroyed kind of way. Like everything. Dirty and dirty. Yeah. Great. Yeah. It's very much like kind of like the, um, I don't know, like future punk, right? Where it's just like everything seemingly on the surface is great. Um, 
you know, unless you are uh, not going to bow down to the God King David, basically. <laughs> like, I mean, I just like, yeah, with a simple stroke, he's decided, yeah, so we have, it's like, just, it's like a game of risk. He's like, I've got this many allies and colonies, and China has this much. So best thing to do is just, you know, get rid of China completely, and then their allies won't be able to fight us, basically, and we'll win. So, yeah, yeah uh, like three billion people just boop. <laughs> and I'm like, amazing. Yeah. Like, that, there you go. Pure logic, right? Where it's just like, ooh. I think my favorite part of the arc is edgy future Hellions. <laughs> like, they're so oh, edgy. God, they're so bad. I know. I was like, that free Tag fighter. with some goatee and shit. It's so good. <laughs> like, like, I loved it. So. Yeah. I No, I really, I, I could have read like six issues of that arc, honestly. And then I definitely am a little disappointed that he was like, Cowed and devised teachers to not remove the mental block because I'm like that's kind of lame. Yeah. Um, like again, I was like, I would just say logically, you should be like, okay, so I won't make those mistakes. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, <laughs> I won't make those decisions. And then you know, he's like, I'll marry. I mean, me. I could see where he would be afraid, you yeah. know, because it could go a lot of places. And he's a very empathetic kid. Yeah. So, like, I bet he would. I bet he's scared that he, you know, basically seemed to lose all his empathy. Yeah, no, totally. I think that's what really scared well, him. I feel like, too, especially when you're a really empathetic person, um, I feel like as a defense mechanism, you kind of, like, shut that down, you know? Yeah. Like, you get overly unempathetic or overly logical as a defense mechanism because, like, to, to be cliche, but to feel is to experience pain. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I, I definitely, I, 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 that's why I like the egg. It was kind of complex, and it was, like, probably one of, to me, like, had some of the good best dialogue there's a little bit of cringy dialogue moments um where they're just yeah. like oh you're like <laughs> i think it was like tessa she tells sage she's like oh icarus you can't heal from that and it's like that would have been good but then she kept going and she's like because your healing factor did stopped working after you were a teenager <laughs> and i'm just like okay saturday morning cartoon level exposition <laughs> you gotta get exposition <laughs> I know, man. I was like, all right, guys, like we, we get it. Like, I don't know if you need to spell it out, but, um, yeah. Also Sophia and, um, Julian. Yeah. I was going to, I was about to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. You that think? was funny. I like that. That was cute. I like how she, <laughs> he's like, you know, you left me again, like all the incel type, like weirdly, uh, overly dramatic dudes. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you left me. And she's like, uh, you wanted to go be a criminal. Was I just supposed to ignore that? <laughs> I like that. And then I like how Surge, of course, had to make it about her. And she's like, yeah, I ignored it. And it turned out bad. And I'm like, <laughs> like, thank you, Surge. We never would have, uh, <laughs> never would have, you know, come to that conclusion without your great input there. So, yeah, that's fun. Awesome. Liz, so Kevin's therapist, did you recognize him? Um, is it the, uh, is it Lori's dad? I mean, that's the implication I got. Well, I did not recognize him. Yeah, but he was also the one that did the uh, the speech at David's uh, at the graduation at David's college. Oh, David okay, and John no. and his, yeah, they're like I Mr. Sean Garrison, and he goes up there and gives a speech. Uh, yeah, that's it is Lori's dad. We're gonna find out more about that. So okay, yeah, I definitely felt like that. That was creepy, and I'm disappointed in Emma that she uh, put my boy they Kevin don't know. in harm's way. Yeah, well, she should know. So <laughs> um, <laughs> keep in mind what his powers are. Okay, this is Emma Frost. <laughs> but there's a reason. There's a reason everybody trusts him and likes him. Yeah, no. Like I, if you I, if you read the, if you read the 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 scene with um, 
Oh no, it's in the next next arc. There's a scene with him and Cyclops and Emma, and there's mm-hmm. like this impression of being like, like there's something not quite right here. Okay, so, well, yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. We'll like, I definitely that, got yeah. that uh, from there. And um, oh yeah, sorry to go back to the art. Um, that picture of Cyclops was the funniest thing I have. <laughs> I seen. know it's the first thing you see and too. It's, it's crazy. So, <laughs> it's so jarring, and he's so bulky. I mean, it's not the worst. Like the art isn't. I don't want to be like it's not bad, but it's I just, just can't tell if he's too short or too tall. like the proportions it's very much like he-man or something i don't know it's like everybody's like super wide and super like sausagey um and the women have like yeah like their limbs are like sausages and um they're the women's faces junior style yeah (laughs) Yeah. and the women's (laughs) the women's faces are just so round like they're circles almost like little moons and um it's the noses that get me (laughs) yeah yeah. um i I like it because again i like i could see little toys that look like that and those would be cool or if it was like a saturday morning cartoon that would be kind of cool but you know it's just yeah i'm used to kind of a realistic x-men look so yeah, I don't know if that's what they were going for with the art, but uh, it did yeah. kind of like make me pause and just look at that fo- that drawing, and I was like, "Here we go." <laughs> so, so I'm I'm gonna spoil a little thing for you, just because you brought up a concern, Liz, and I want to make sure that I address the concern. So, Jeffrey, teleporting mm-hmm. boy, mm-hmm. one of the things they're doing, you don't see it really, because for reasons, but they're trying to find the cure for his condition. Oh, I bet. Okay, and then but, I bet M Day happens, and I bet he loses. His... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know if that's what happens. Is that what happens? Did I just? That's exactly what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey loses his powers in M Day, and he passes away. Amazing. Oh. Right again. <laughs> I know. I was like, "Damn you, Liz! You always do that." So, so Jeffrey, Jeffrey doesn't live on as a ghost forever. Don't worry about that. Oh, good. Um, Poor guy. Yeah. No. Uh, by the way, it was really funny in this arc that Jeffrey, of all people, was the one that was going to like, tell, like they brought him back. Out China. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know why that image is so funny. Where he's like, "Are the nukes ready, Jeffrey?" And he's like, "They sure are, Mr. President. Like, I'm gonna go wipe." Out a third of humanity. <laughs> she will like, I was like, okay. Oh <laughs> um, one of the things I, about this arc, I, I will throw my personal opinion out there. I think it's intentionally cheesy because it is a fantasy. Right, right. Like, I think that's part of it. You know what it I mean? Was fun. Like, yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, our next read is not volume three. Now we're going to read the side story. It's a side mini for the Hellions. Yes. Okay. And I'm very excited about this because you get to know the Hellions. It's only four issues. And it does have two of my favorite covers like of this era, including one with Dust and one with Mercury. Ooh, and it's a real it's a really cool, like, contained story. It gives you details about their each of their backgrounds. It explains their friendships and exactly what role they all play. And like you said, Julian's starting to turn around on you. This will fully told you, turn Julian around, I think, for you. So Yay. Yep. All right. and oh, it I also tells you the very important role that tag plays in the group socially. So yeah. Yes. Um, I also want to tell our dear loyal listeners that I am still keeping an eye out for my Jin dupe. <laughs> I have, I have I have been too because of you. <laughs> I have yet to see him and it makes me sad. I feel like the only I, I on my Twitter I have a screenshot, a clip of every 
appearance he has made to date. So I will continue on my Jin dupe watch <laughs> you know what? <laughs> going forward. We, we need to tag the artist and ask him about this character. I bet he has a backstory. I, I hope bet we, so. Oh, that would be great. I would love that. I like that. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll look into that. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Awesome. So, yeah, we'll read uh, New X-Men Hellions. It's a four-issue mini. Uh, I've already read it. I read ahead, and it's, it's. I forgot how great it is. I really enjoy it. So, um, doesn't really deal with the rest of the school at all. It's just the six of them. Hmm. It's kind of like on summer vacation. It's weird. It, the timeline gets a little weird at that point because it's basically it's the, the end, beach the end of the episode. Yeah, I was gonna do the same thing. Kind of the beach episode, but not really. They don't go to the beach, but they go to Hellion's parents' mansion, basically. So, yeah. Oh, nice. So yeah, we'll we'll get into that next time though. Uh, anything else you guys want to throw out for New X Men that you noticed so far? Um, the danger room is such a like. I'm just trying to figure out how Xavier School is insured. Such a liability. <laughs> such a liability. Oh my god. Uh, and also, it was really funny when the danger room summoned Magneto. And then they summon Magneto's boyfriend, Charles Xavier. And then they have basically like it was it felt very much like like basically like you summon Magneto's boyfriend. Like she's yeah. like, Eric, stop. And they it's did like their whole little real play. It's like if you're fighting Grindelwald and you summon Dumbledore is what it felt exactly. like. Exactly. And they're like, You must not do this. You are not the man I loved. Like it was really funny. Um I always enjoy the Eric Charles banter in X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Cool. All right. Well, so that's everything uh, for our mutual read. So we're going to start getting to our actual comics. Uh, so as always, we start with our indie books. Um, let me pull this up here. All right. So we're going to talk about the books that I have that Hostway does not first. Mm-hmm. Only a couple. Um, the Orville launch day part two um again this is the series that's um that takes place between uh season two and season three so it's prepping us for the upcoming season three and it's really good uh it's a really cool self-contained story i enjoyed it not a lot to talk about um it's just it's just good i just love the orville so um very very good i also picked up two books that i really enjoyed and Josue, you're going to want to go ahead and pick um Pick these up if you see them. Ooh, okay. Uh, the first one is uh, Neil Gaiman's Norse Mythology. So this oh, is okay. Neil Gaiman released a book uh, that I reviewed for the show, actually, yeah. called Norse Mythology, where he basically took all the Norse myths and kind of put them in more modern language so people could understand them. Not nice. in like a Thor does a TikTok kind of modern language, <laughs> but like just understanding, you know. Um, and the artist... Every story has a different artist, and I didn't realize that was going to happen until I bought this issue. That's cool. So the first story, the origin, is that art's actually done by Mac Mignola. Ooh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Boy. Exactly. And then the second one's done by Jerry Ordway. Okay. So it's it's very good. Uh, these two stories are uh, just the story of like creation, mm-hmm. and then the second one is when um, Sif when Luke, Loki steals Sif's hair. And okay. it's it's one of my favorite like legends in Norse mythology, and it's very funny because it's done in this really over the top like again, understandably modern kind of way. So, like um, when Thor wakes up and Sif's hair is gone, she's like, "My hair!" And he goes, "It's gone. He has left you bald." She goes, "He?" And he goes, "Loki has done this." And then it's him kicking in Loki's door, 
And he's like, why? And look, he's like, why what? He's like, he picks him up and shakes him. He's like, my wife's golden hair. Why did you cut it off? He's like, um, um, and he keeps shaking him. He's like, why? And Loki's like, it was funny. I was drunk. (laughs) 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 It's just great, dude. Really, really good adaptation. It gets the, the, the little myth across very well in a very entertaining way. So the other indie book that I need to talk about, and I really think you're going to like this book. Uh, we had talked about this on, uh, Twitter a bit. Okay. Uh, getting yeah. it together for image nice okay going to give a quick shout out to the uh co-creators uh cena grace and omar spahi they're both co-writing it and i think i know how they did it because there's like certain characters and stuff and then uh, cena grace also did did some of the art but the main artist was jenny fine um this book is a modern romance it very much feels like a like an hbo show that's about singles if you will. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's done in a very modern way of like diversity and acceptance. So you open up with a, um, a couple that is broken up. Um, and basically it goes back and forth between, um, the girl and the guy. And they're both talking to her brother. He keeps going back and forth between the two of them. And I guess he's like the dude's best friend and obviously her brother. And the dude's like, Oh, it's everything's over. He's like, Oh God. And he's like, I can't believe she cheated on me. And then, um, <laughs> the brother's like, uh, how do you open up your relationship and then get cheated on? And he's like, I thought it was going to be like crazy sex parties. Like you see on porn, huh? He's oh like, my God. But that was together. And she went and did something separate. And then it cuts to the cuts to the sister. She's like, that's not how it went. She's like, I fucked up. He freaked out the end. And she said, um, the brother says, he said you had sex with another guy. He's like, I just figured we opened the relationship up, you know, and thought, yeah, fuck it. Why not go for a test drive? It's like, and then this, I love this quote. It's my favorite part of the book. turns out Sam wanted us to live in some pervy eyes wide shut scenario. (laughs) 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 So basically it's like the brother trying to basically figure out what happened. So then it opens up and we see that the brother is gay. And he has a date. He has like a like a online dating thing that date he's going to go on. So slowly but surely, their friendship circle expands and expands and expands. And you find out more about each and every one of them. And by the end, you got a group of about eight people that you have a pretty good idea. And it's just them living life and going on dates. Uh, the main chick is the lead guitarist for a band. Mm. And her band is about to go on tour. Um you also find out like uh, like the dude he the guy goes on the internet date with. You find out some more about him. Uh, you find out like another one of their friends um, that apparently had dated this this guy he dated before. Like it, it's just really cool. And um, I really if if you like stuff like and I, I don't want to compare it to the L word because L word is obviously all lesbians. Um, girls, tr- kind of like girl. I hated girls though, man. Oh, okay. Like. Uh, well, I like some of girls actually, but yeah, I guess it'd be similar to girls, but with more of a diverse LGBT representation. It's probably mm. more like a BBC show because I know there's several BBC shows, BBC shows that are kind of like this. Okay. So, uh, but it's really good if you if you don't mind like a romantic comedy drama type thing. It's really great. Um, one thing that I thought was really funny was okay, so when he goes on the internet date with that dude, right? Mm-hmm. Um. He, uh, they end up sleeping together, but they don't have sex. They just like sleep together. They make out and stuff. Yeah. And then, um, uh, 
he's like talking to the dude and all this stuff. And he's like, um, he's like, I'm going to go talk to my friend. Right. And uh, he tells him who it is. And the guy's like, Oh no, that's right. He says, Oh, we have mutual friends on Facebook. That's what it was. And he's like, who? And he's like, Oh, Dinesh, he slings coffee for me. He's like, let me guess you two totally boned, you know? Ha <laughs> ha. And then he's like, I don't like that guy. And he's like, why? He's like, he's not a good person. I was like, you got to tell me what happened in this story. I'm going to warn our viewers. It's sexual in nature and disturbing <laughs> if you have a penis. <laughs> so, he's like, so we met on a scruff and we went on a meh date. I stayed the night, but nothing happened. Except when I woke up, he was sounding next to me. And little Keith here was like, what the fuck is sounding? <laughs> he's like, that's when like a guy sticks a rod down his pee hole. And he goes, yes. And I'm like, what? And he's like, it was so violent to wake up next to a guy doing that without my consent. And you're like, what? And then he actually, he's like, oh, that's crazy. And then he actually goes and talks to his friend. And he's like, he's like, no. He, he's, he's just, he says, um, I went on one date with him, but none of his stories added up. And after he ghosted me, I ended up meeting an ex of his. Basically, he made so many messes and wrote bad checks that he had to move up here to start fresh. And he's like, oh, shit. And he's like, he's got some of your stuff. He's like, you better get it back and all this. And he's like, by the way, he um he said he mentioned waking up next to you while you were sounding yourself, and the guy's like, "Oh, that's true." Except he was awake and helped me out when it happened, and ah. it's just like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> like it's just it's just a really great book, and the best part, Husway, mm-hmm. is the at very back of the book has a playlist to listen to while reading this book. Oh, nice. Yeah, straight up your alley. So uh, it's got, and it's really actually pretty indie for the most part. Uh, yeah. But there are a couple like uh, Beastie Boys, Not a Surf, Descendants. Um, oh, I got to sit out. And Akon. But the rest of it is pretty like uh, pretty indie. So yeah, this seems like totally um, right up your alley. So I really enjoyed it. Uh, the art's great. It does remind me of a lot of, of like m- the books in IDW I really liked and Boom yeah uh, art wise but it is from image so it's rated m for mature obviously <laughs> so um <laughs> but once again cena grace omar spahi and jenny fine um and uh yeah check it out uh, so that's my last mute or solo indie book did you have anything besides the one you know we both have uh yeah i have a few go for it so uh we'll start with inkblot by emma kuber and yes. rusty glad uh, so I thought this was gonna like start following the the librarian girl from that family where everybody else has got to have like crazy adventures, but she got stuck writing everybody's adventures, so we can just keep reading about them. Um, and then she unleashed Inkblot. I, I guess I, I'm just saying that's his name, but it's a little black cat. And mm-hmm. this one has nothing to do with that character except for just I guess we're just following the cat. And I really hope that's this is what it is because it does open the narration of that girl. It's like, well, I haven't seen that cat. I wonder where it is. Like ever since that happened, whatever. And it just goes on. We're like, we're in this other world um, where it's run by elves who are kind of in hiding. Like this, it opens up in a Renaissance fair. And I, I guess that is a flashback. And this little elf girl is just as they're having a good time, but she kind of fucked up and kind of said something she shouldn't have. And out come out the, some, um, sorcerers who are after these elves and but specifically just a like i thought it was her mom but it's actually her grandma she gets taken away and after that they've been kind of been left alone and mm-hmm. and after and it's just uh, but they're still kind of like it, it seems like they're oppressed because then we just kind of cut back to their present and 
the little girl's mom, she's like hella strict. And it's like, you know what? Like, or there's a, a roar going. It's like everybody arm up. It's time, it's time for battle. And that little girl is now a little bit older now. She starts arming up, but they they only have like wood armor. And out from this portal comes out this dragon that's been this pretty much like a dragon from the cover. It looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all pretty much gonna die. Like they literally have wood armor. The the girl calls it out when of course Inkblot, the, the cat shows up and just kind of distracts, like walks up the tail of the of the dragon because it noticed it had something in its nose and it was like this like weird rabid rat. The second it's no, so that's why the dragon, I guess, was cranky. Mm-hmm. Anyway, everybody was able to escape. And so, yeah, I think it's just going to be a book about this little mischievous cat and how, yeah, by the end, like, all the fucking elves, like, because, yeah, they get, they get away from the fucking dragon, but they realize that it was the cat and they start worshipping the cat. So I hope it kind of gets into, like, this little Magu-chan thing, too, where it's just, like, this <laughs> crazy demon stuck in this little cute cat body. Um, after that, that was from, yeah, from Image, by the way. So let's keep it with Image. Next Image, oh boy, Coffin Bound by Dan Waters, drawn by Danny. Oh, uh, what issue of Inkplot was that, by the way? Oh, that's number two. It just started. Okay, cool. Gotcha. I just want to make a note. What about Coffin Bound? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Coffin Bound is issue number seven. Okay. Oof. So this, this whole book is just such a fucking trip on... There's a, now there's actual, an actual character named Madame Entropy, but that's really what the story is. It's just like, it wants to have no rules. It lives in a world, world where there are no rules, and they just like twist the, twist the words how they almost, they, they see fit for, for their story. Like in this case, like, people have been injecting themselves with God, and in this case, they kind it kind of numbs them, so to kind of get rid of emotions. Uh, meanwhile, there's like a, a side plot where um, our main character, Taka, her friend is a boxer, and he kind of sets himself up to lose. He's a scrawny little guy, but he kind of, like, welcomes the pain. It's kind of, he's how he puts it, it's kind of where he feels more alive. And he, he has his own hookup where, <laughs> I guess you inject yourself with blood, but specifically with blood that, like, from people who died in car crash, in case, so you, so it gives like an adrenaline rush or from any kind of scenario, and that's what they feel. So, this girl, like our, our Taka, um, she's on a on journey of where she put a bounty on her own head so that she can find the vulture from the first arc because she wants mm-hmm. answers. Um, but damn it, in this issue, it opens up with this character that's like in it's in black and white and like they're almost like twins, kind of like the spy versus spy. Like, like characters you know um and it seems like they're a different like a, a bounty hunter and when they find her they kind of like morph into one and they 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 they, they have like a whole yin yang like like one one persona and after that is when the book just takes oof a cool a cool turn um it's just it plays everything in a du- double it, because of this figure, because of because of these people that were that just are just able to flip this book and play out two different scenarios at the same time, um, and then kind of do this cool loop, and it leaves on a cliffhanger that we don't know. Like a question's asked, and it's like, "What do you want to do about it?" And it's like, "Okay, I guess we'll leave it at that, and we'll definitely find out on the next issue." But man, it was just such a cool way to just tell a story in, in this like double way, where like I've already read this, but. I, I guess it's going to take a different approach with a different question, but the way it's just like together, it's it's really, really fucking cool. But yeah, Coffin Bound, really, really dope. Nice. Uh, 
after that in my last image book is decorum number five by jonathan hickman and uh mike huddleston mm-hmm. <laughs> um, i can actually talk about this book at least for this issue because it actually made sense of what i read at least from this issue alone oh for the overall narrative not really i guess i still can't i still can't touch on that but in this issue at least we <laughs> at least i can explain a little bit what happened unlike the other issues um yeah the uh what's her name fucking yeah niha nori sued um are the the most the what was it the whole point of it the the most polite assassin in the whole galaxy um mm-hmm. her underling uh, we start. We pretty much like follow her through like this like school, so she can start being an assassin. And she kind of, we kind of just see like a three year span of her kind of like struggling combat and then learning like just different alien anatomy, and then basically like just getting bullied by the other um, students as well, and then her struggling as well to just take a life. And it happens throughout it, like, she, and and also for the first time ever, like we actually see um like her mentor like actually lose it she's super fucking polite like when when jonathan hickman said that it's like she's like the most well-mannered assassin like he meant it like she never lost her cool until now because she had to take um the first kill from the uh, uh nihanori mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's not used to killing so she literally just throws up on the spot and she's like why did you do that and it's like <laughs> what are you talking about you shot a guy many times he literally started falling apart and you kept shooting that's obviously not what I mean. Like you selfish child, look what you did. What <laughs> you, all you had to do was turn your head. Who throws up on someone? They simply just, just someone just simply does not do that. Honestly, child, where are your fucking manners? <laughs> so that's cool that she can at least like let out a little bit of rage. Cause she is a cool character. I was just wondering what she'd let loose a little bit. And that was, that was a good scene. Um, but yeah, it, it, she slowly does start learning, but it's, it's almost every time, like every year at the end of the test, she just can't take the life. Um. Yeah, until the end. But then we're left on a, on a. She finally does decide at the end, like if she does like do it, but at the cost of she still throws up. And also, these guns just do this like really cool effect on like the way these bodies just morph or just like warp when it should just be like a regular gunshot. Seems like after that, it just like warps a bigger hole. It's really fucking cool. But I guess we're left with the with the cliffhanger that's gonna have some serious repercussions because oof. I don't know who this character is, but obviously they know who Nihonori Sued is. And oof, boy. So I guess there's only three issues left and just that much more closer to the crazy ending. Because it's not just like, it's not going to just be about this, like kind of, it seems like it's going to be a little revenge story. There's still a lot of bigger elements happening in, the, in other plots. And it just, I don't know how they connect or what the fuck's going to happen. But yeah, thanks a lot, Jonathan Hickman. Uh, now to move over to Dark Horse, we have the continuation of Alien, the original screenplay, and oh boy! So I have been teasing this book that's basically Prometheus, and it finally leaves Prometheus, in so we can start telling the original um, Alien movie, and that is basically everything in Prometheus is kind of what happens. The crew that goes into the temple and they basically bring back like the the one that fuck kind of fucks everything up in the ship. Instead of staying there like in Prometheus, they actually take off back to Earth. It's there where now it kind of it kind of goes into the alien uh, alien movie, and we have like the whole Chesper scene in the dinner after being like, "Oh, I'm, I guess I'm fine." Like that was weird, but and then blech, it happens, and it's cool. Not as cool as the movie. I really kind of 
expected a little bit more from just being like, oh man, like because that, that chest bursting is iconic, and just I guess the ca- the the chest cave at the afterwards or after the, it runs away does look cool, but oh man, still, and that's kind of where it leaves off, and we it leaves off on the fucking um the cat scene when they're scanning for when they're looking for it because it escaped. Um, and it's like, oh, it's getting closer. It's three meters away. It's under us. It's over us. Like, where is it? And it's the fucking cat. It literally, <laughs> it leaves <laughs> off on that, uh, on that little note. So, uh, that, that was funny to just remember that part. I didn't, I didn't, honestly, I didn't even remember. I thought they were going to show it the big, like, because I felt the book getting lighter. So I thought they were going to be like a reveal of, of the Xenomorph, but I totally forgot about the fucking cat and it just made me laugh. So I like that. <laughs> and now for my last indie read is by Aftershock Comics. By Zach Thompson and Jen Hickman and Simon Bolin, Lonely Receiver number two. Whew. This one's deep, guys. Like fucking Keith, like dude, like mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know how you'd receive this one because it's like, did you like the movie Her? <sighs> no, I hated it. Okay, <laughs> like... this, this one's like taking it another step, like like more grim, and it really kind of like makes you it it paints this like really kind of like a fucked up relationship of like yeah. dealing with a breakup, but at the same time being so comfortable and being so used to like technology being a part of our daily life. And this person created like, I got her persona, but yeah. real. Yeah. I, uh, I, will, but... I will say this. I should clarify mm-hmm. this. I okay. hated her, but not because of the plot or the concept or anything like that. I had specific okay. reasons for not liking her. I won't get into today. <laughs> okay. We're not for sure. So um, uh, you you pitching the concept doesn't dissuade me. It, it, I had oh, okay, cool. execution problems with her. <laughs> so, <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. I'm actually curious about for later. Um, yeah. But anyway, in Lonely Receiver, it just it, pretty, it paints us of a very similar note and how you like, how comfortable we are with technology and then but it's almost like we built this person built a relationship based on like this like. I want to say and- synthetic, synthetic Android. I want someone almost like a vision as person, but this like they they had a falling out, and this person basically took didn't didn't like not a spite took everything with them, but we're dealing with like now being like those few like or those first like weeks, those first days, those first hours and minutes of just feeling utterly alone, where you're just like all you want to do is look over and reach and be like, oh fuck, they're gone or. And there's there's one scene where she just wants to get food, but realized she was literally like the chip, like because they live in like this cool like kind of future where like like my like currency is just a little different, and it's kind of like all my shit was linked to her, like that's what not the reason why that's what she was around, but that was definitely a plus, and it's just like just sinking more alone. There's there's moments where she feels like oh I guess I'm doing better, but then it's like it completely flips on you, like it's like we've all been there on a on a really shitty breakup. Um, but yeah, I just, I really like how it's like, it dares to be honest with like, of like, not well, well, without being patronizing. And it's like, oh, I remember feeling these feelings and it's like, what didn't it suck? But just seeing this other person kind of go through it. It's like, it's, it's cool. I really like, like it as far as like my, a true indie read, like for like between like a one per, like a person instead of just being kind of crazy with superheroes. Like there are some weird elements, but I definitely like, like how, how it's being written or how it just like. It feels relatable. Nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it for my solo indie reads. Cool. All right. We got a couple to go through this week. So let's jump in. Let's start with Horizon Zero Dawn number three. Yes. Uh, as someone who did not play the book or play the game, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying the book. Uh, mm-hmm. 
good arc. Uh, I'm, I'm liking the action art. I think it's drawn really well as action, you know. Yes. And um, I really like the ba- guy's background story. Oh, I know. Yeah, with uh, with Nessa, <laughs> who had disguised <laughs> herself to be a soldier. And I thought that was a really good motivation for him. Uh, I enjoyed it. And the two of them kind of just exchanging their stories was really well done. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I can't wait for the next issue where it looks like I'm going to be fighting, fighting a shell snapper. So <laughs> that'll be fun. Uh, but overall, I'm really enjoying the book. Not too much I need to really jump into and, you know, break apart. Uh, it's, yeah. it's good. Um, what are you thinking? Um, no, um, you definitely hit, uh, said it. I, I did enjoy It's definitely exchanging each other's like origin stories. Um, I like that we got his backstory just so we can actually start caring about him. But definitely Telenon is just, I, it's definitely just been shining. I, I, for when this was announced, I definitely was expecting way more Aloy. But getting Telenon every single time and just like it's about her and her journey trying to find Aloy or just mm-hmm. her just trying to find herself too. I just really fucking love that. I would just love a side game since we're getting like all these like Last of Us 2, like two story game or the Miles Morales, like yeah. kind of side story too. I would love a Talana game just with different abilities, what she can do. Cause even just a DLC, I, you know, even if it's a DLC, I would love that too. That'd be so cool. Um, Cause we do know her story from the game, but I like that. She kind of went a little like elaborated more on like what else she kind of wanted to do. Just, with retaining the title and it was, it was a cool shot with like her and Ailey taking down like that, that mad T-Rex like that you do in the game. It was really yeah. cool. I love that it does that. I love that it brings it's, I love that. It's just like, it, like the, like the writer and tool just really almost like that. She, I hope she really played the game and almost like studied it to a degree where she wanted to incorporate all the weapon elements or just into her story. So nothing really got left behind and you can just almost feel like I did that or I was there, you know? Um, and then going forward, I like that this book is definitely the bridge between um, Zero Dawn and Forbidden West because now Shell Snapper is was for sure not in the first game. So I'm really hoping we get to fight one of those, um, or if it was in the trailer, I can't remember, in the second game. That'd be really cool if we start incorporating, because she is moving more west, if we start seeing all the stuff we expect from the second game. That's really all the shit I'm really like just loving about the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I'm really digging it. So, uh, next up, um, a book that you got me into, and I'm hooked. Adventure Man number four. <laughs> yes, oh, I'm uh, so glad you like it. Yeah. So, obviously, it's uh, Matt Fraction and the Dodsons, Terry <laughs> and Rachel, and I really enjoy. I love their art. I always have. You know, like I think it's so great that I just I just love the way they animate, specifically women. Yes. Like they just look so powerful. Right. Like, you know, there's like, there's like, there's a certain kind of sexuality that's kind of like harmful to women. You know what I mean? Like where yes. you draw them as objects. This is not women drawn as objects. These are women drawn as strong, but sexy people. You know what I mean? And I love it. And this book is really cool. It's got so many calls back to the old pulp adventure stuff <laughs> and which I'm a big fan of. So that helped quite a bit. And, um, a lot of background in this one. Um, it, I, I enjoyed it. The key to this, I think, is the last few pages, which is why I'm very excited. Oh, uh, yes. With the fact that it looks like her family is going to be getting involved now. <laughs> yes. And I'm very excited. I knew you were talking about that when you reviewed it originally, mm-hmm. that you have this awesome group of like a bunch of sisters and stuff. 
and you're like, I really hope the rest of the family gets involved. And then now it looks like they're going to. Right. And, like, Cause like they have like, they each have like their own specific, like, like specialists in their own way, in their own field. And it's just like, this could just be a fucking team. And it's like, they're all mm-hmm. like not blood related. So it's like, it, all, it just looks like a dope ass team, but they actually are sisters. Yeah. I really hope they just play up more, more part. Yeah. And I mean, adventure man had a posse. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so why not you know so i'm really enjoying it um yeah a uh, very very good book uh, i also like at the end they actually have a thing to remind you to register to vote and the <laughs> yes the dates to register so that was kind of cool i enjoyed that yeah so yeah um also in the back cover we get a tease of the first volume for the graphic novel oh i didn't even see it it looks really good yeah so we'll see if that's going to be just the first four or maybe the fifth issue will be included because it is in November. So we got a little bit of time. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I'm really enjoying that. One thing I'll say I, I really enjoy about this book is, and this sounds odd because we usually say the opposite about a lot of other books, but I like that the colors are very muted. Yeah. I mean, they're in New York. So it's like, it, it does give it that vibe. It helps it. Yeah. Well, it also helps with the pulp vibe mm-hmm. because yes. pulp was black and white. So you didn't really have the bright colors, you know what I mean? So I think it helps it, it helps anchor it like that, which is really great. I think it's a very wise choice, whereas most people would be like, oh, this is very colorful. I think it fits that story and what they're trying to accomplish very well. So Right. Yeah, so awesome. Let's move on to We Only Find Them When They're Dead. Uh, this is this is a really good book. Uh, we taught, we've, This is something we've said in the past uh, I think this is going to read better as a graphic novel than single issues. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Um, it's it's very, very good. Al Ewing's great. And the art is absolutely incredible. Simone DeMeo is just doing such a great job in the art. Yeah. Um, and I'm just so intrigued by it that reading a little bit of it at a time is just like brutal. <laughs> like I had yeah, to go back no. and read issue one again, and be like, wait, 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 oh yeah, now I remember. You know, like so. I think I think in the end, I'm definitely going to get the graphic novel for it. Plus, it'll probably have a really killer uh, cover. So. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's like but yeah, this one does do like a kind of it goes back and forth between like these two years, and it's kind of like like we just started with these characters, and now I already have to remember who is who and when was who. So. It yeah. was just like a little much at first, but I definitely agree. All together, just it'll be it'll be read and just looked at really like just better. Yeah, really nice. I'm I'm enjoying it though. I want to see where it goes. Don't want to dive too much into it because I think we're at a moment that's going to have a big repercussion. Yeah, and we'll know a lot more in the next issue. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that's all I got on that. Um, and I want to quickly move on to die, die oh, okay. number fourteen. Yes. Uh, by Image Comics, of course. Uh, one of our podcast favorites uh, with uh, Karen Gillan and Stephanie Hans just doing the best art, period. <laughs> like I just oh, love totally. her art. It's incredible. Absolutely. So it looks like our group of heroes, uh, for a quick reminder, these this is the comic where uh, people are trapped in a fantasy RPG-type world. Um, to simplify it, I don't want to get into the whole description every time. But it does look like we're going to be getting to the point where the two groups are going to come back together. Um, And it's going to be very interesting. Uh, A lot happened. And there's obviously a big war going on. So there's a lot to address. But. (laughs) Okay. All we need to talk about is Matt. 
Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> Matt is the best. Uh, Matt is the grief knight. Oh, so geez. in this world, like the the knights are are attached to an emotion, and Matt is the grief knight. And the entire book, Chuck is constantly being like, "Are you feeling depressed, Matt?" <laughs> like, which was really funny. I because I got kind of sick of Chuck, and this kind of made me like, "Okay, all right, that's kind of funny." So. Like in a way, um, he's kind of taking it seriously too. It's just like, well, that, you sound a little chipper. They're not so much sad. Are you sure you're going to be useful? And it's like, yeah, you're coming off as an asshole, but he is being useful. Yeah. And then the part where he's like, uh, he's like, I need to be sadder. And Chuck's like, your book's in the <laughs> remainder in piles. 3.1 Google read scores. Girls saying you're too old for them. Erections not what they were when you're 18. <laughs> Make me sad, not pissed off with you. <laughs> And then we get the best moment in this book series, in my opinion. So backing up to Izzy. Yeah. Izzy is the, the the speaker to the gods. She bargains with the gods. and God binder. Yeah, the god binder, yes. And Mistress Woe comes a calling. And Mistress Woe has never asked for anything really from Izzy. Uh, she's always kind of built up a credit. And she's like... I just need, or basically, I'll I'll give up all of your debt. You just need to do one thing: is pass on a message. And she whispers it to Izzy, and it's a great shot of her, like Izzy's face. Yeah. And she's like, "I'm not going to do it." And then she's basically like, "Then I'll kill you." And then Izzy summons a little bird and is like, "I need you to go tell someone something." So as Matt's sitting here, he's just like. <laughs> It's just so fucking sad. Uh, so that's when they're having the conversation about uh, make me sad, not pissed off at you. And the bird flies up and goes, hey, hey. And then it lands on Matt's finger and it says, in the real world, your dad is dead. <laughs> and then Matt explodes with power and takes everything out. And yeah, there's an awesome God. shot of him kneeling with his sword saying, I wasn't there. <laughs> It's like, Jesus Christ, like, he's so good. And then our apex of the issue is when he goes back to the cave we found with the other weapons for the, the armory. Yeah. Yeah. And the Mall of Rage is like, put aside the Sword of Grief. The Mall of Rage will be your only friend. And he grabs the Mall and the sword. And they're both like, whoa, you can only hold one of us. And he's like, basically like, fuck you. I'm doing what I want. And he says, try and stop me. And that last shot is so fucking awesome. (laughs) It's exactly what I wanted. I I wanted him to come back to this room to maybe swap it out. Never did I think he could take two. Yeah. He's like, now I'm sad and I'm angry. You're both coming with me. One for Izzy and one for Ash. Oh, God. But it's like, you, you still have a family, bro. Like, it's like you, you you all have to leave together to leave. Like if you if it's one for Ash and one's for Izzy, you can't yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, so such a great book, dude. God, I just love so it. Good. Like, I'm gonna be so sad when this book eventually ends. Like, oh, dude, it's gonna hit <laughs> I don't want to think about it. <laughs> I think it's gonna hit me harder than Wiktiv, and that shit fucking destroyed me too. Yeah. So excellent issue as always. So uh, which cover did you get, by the way? Um, oh, this one I got the cover A. I got the B, the Ash one. So oh, okay, yeah. So okay, and then our last shared indie book, Money Shot Nine. I always save <laughs> Money Shot for last because it makes me so happy inside. It does. Okay, so 
Um, as a reminder, these are the scientists that turn to making porn uh, to fund their alien explorations and have been uh, hijacked by the president of the United States, who definitely is not the current president of the United States. So, uh, <laughs> so um, we find out a lot more about the, uh, the queen or whatever it is, it magistrate, I don't remember her title. Horse lady. Uh, uh, Bode. <laughs> Bode Cinch. Yeah, well, that's her name. I was thinking of like her title. Counselor? Uh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, it is Counselor, you're right. Um, and her little buddy. And um, it's really great. Basically, they're trapped on a world and they need to raise a bunch of funds. And apparently the number one recommendation, or, 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 or yeah, no recommendation, the number one request amongst their fans is horse lady with president Kirk and he is awful and there's no way she would possibly do that. Uh, so basically they're trying to work it out and they find out that, um, that the, <laughs> that her assistant has a shape shifting thing that basically will cause an illusion. And so he can pose as president Luke Kirk. And he's like, I can give it to any of you. Any of you can do it, you know. And then they're basically, she basically is like, I will only do it with him. So he gets to have sex with her, and you know that he's actually in love with her, and it was really sweet. <laughs> I was like, oh. Except their first time is going to be like, you know, broadcast to the universe. <laughs> like, so yeah. And that's all great. It was really sweet, and I I'd love to talk more about that. But we need to talk about something way more, something that you and me have been waiting for. Which is President Luke Kirk to get his. And it's the funniest thing. It's even better than I imagined. Um, so they're talking about what happened when he went in there with the dude. When he came running out and we were talking about it. And uh, I'm just going to read it because it's amazing. Um, he said, a man hugged me. Made me comfortable. Complimented me for the first time in my whole life. So, so I called him Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I put the book down and I just laughed. <laughs> like I was like so good, you know, like and then on top of that we get the sex scene where Dr. is it Gnon Gnog something like that. Um uh Gnon, that's what it was. Uh, where he, he's posing as the president and he throws all these horrible puns in, which is hilarious. Yeah. Like when she's like, you want to sleep with him? He's like, now there's a bill I'm happy to approve. Congress is in session. <laughs> and it's like, take that big caucus right in the Oval Office. <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> looks so lame, but I love it. Um, oh, man, boy, did I appreciate that. I've been so into Bo ever since her introduction. So yeah, I got totally. exactly and more so what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. So they finally are able to transport themselves uh, to the bulbs, which are the highest authority. And they are giant jellyfishes with universes inside of them. They look so fucking cool. Yeah, it's such a great design. But unfortunately, the bad guys are currently chasing them. And it looks like we're going to have a confrontation. Uh, the title for the next issue apparently is Burn Motherfucker Burn. So we'll see. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I just love this book. It's so good. I, I don't think I have a better time reading a book than when I read these books. <laughs> like, yeah. Just incredible. Yeah, that's exactly what I need to just, to just like make me forget how shitty the world is. So at least I get to laugh at their shitty world. 
<laughs> yeah. So um, I can't remember. Was the first volume, was it five issues or six? I think it was five. Okay. So then the next issue will be the end of volume two. Probably. Probably. So, yeah. All right. Um, that's everything I have for Indy. You ready to move on to Marvel? Yes. Okay. Uh, we don't have a ton of Marvel this week, but what we do have, we're going to talk about. Uh, the only Marvel I have that you don't... Uh, well, actually, I should tell our listeners. Uh, both me and Josue picked up Snapshot Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 49 slash 850 uh, and have not had a chance to read them. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man is literally a magazine, so it's going to be it's going to be <laughs> yeah. a read. Uh, we will, we'll bring that to you. We'll probably put our first impressions on Twitter and we'll bring it to you next week. So, yes. All right. So uh, the only book I have that you don't is Champions Outlawed. Um, so this is beginning the Outlawed storyline. Uh, well, not beginning, second part of the Outlawed storyline. And it's all about the Champions group. I'm not going to get too much into it because Josue is going to read it. But basically, it's kind of setting up like Civil War, where the Champions are like, there's this new law, we should fight it. And some of them are like, should we? And there's like conflict. So it's really interesting. Uh, as someone who didn't really read Champions all that much, um, it's nice to see all these characters and like do some research to find out who they all are. Um, mm-hmm. what, one thing is Justice from the New Warriors is working with Cradle, the group that is trying to like bring them all in. And it's interesting because he's also he was young he was a young superhero, and he also did something horrible and somebody ended up dying. So it's kind of interesting that he is one of the one of the people that, you know, is, is doing it. So, uh, miles is pretty much the main character of this, I would say. Um, but moon girl has a pretty good part in it. Uh, Nova and Kamala is awake. She's not still in a coma or anything, uh, but she's still in the hospital. So, um, it has to do with it. Uh, so it's really cool. And basically they find out that they might have a, um, a mole, somewhere in the uh, group that told people where they are. And the last page tells us who it might be. And I'm not going to reveal it because I want you to read it. So, nice. uh, but it's very, very good. I'm really enjoying it. I, we talk about it sometimes how we really enjoy the young generation of heroes in Marvel. And so yes. that's a pretty good celebration of it. And I like the art. Uh, the only thing is uh, Katie power from power pack is on the cover, but I didn't see her in the book. Um, so I don't know if they're going to expand and have more heroes. Like that'd be really cool. If it does become a full on civil war, then they're going to have to have a full group on each side. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. But they're only teasing civil war right now. It's not like a done deal or anything. So, um, and then let's talk about Thor. Um, I got the Alex Ross cover, of course, because that's one of my favorite Alex Rosses is Thor because I love the wings when Alex Ross draws them on the helmet wings. Oh yeah. Classic Viking. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this one is the second and final part of the mini arc about Mjolnir being in Oklahoma. And um, Tony uh, is just being Tony and he's just the worst. Uh, So (laughs) um, basically Thor's like, all right, I need the hammer back. And Tony's like, no, (laughs) he's like, fuck you. And, um, the mechanic dude who became the mechanic of thunder last issue um, goes to hand it to Thor and Tony takes it with a yeah, no, by the way, <laughs> which is like my least favorite thing people say. He's like, you aren't getting it back. He's like, we need to figure out what's going on. Other people can pick this up now. What's up with this? And um, it's great. <laughs> Fucking Tony. He's like, we need to run tests. 
And he's like, I'm sorry. Until I get some answers, it stays with me. And Thor says, I do not answer to you. And it's just a great matching scene transition where it's Tony without his helmet on. And then his mask closes and he goes, fine. And then he hits Thor in the face with Mjolnir. (laughs) Thor just, like, barely reacts. (laughs) Like, it's so great. And then he's like, Tony, listen to me very carefully. (laughs) And he starts summoning the storm. He's like, do not mistake wielding my hammer for wielding my power. (laughs) I was like, oh, it's so good. So good. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, he's like, uh, Mjolnir or not, I'm still a god, and you are a tin man in a lightning storm. And then Tony's like, fair enough. And hands it over. <laughs> so, and that, that was cool alone. But then also, the little mechanic dude gets to fly with Mjolnir. Like, he lets him, like, use it a little bit to fly, which uh, I thought yeah. was really cool. Um, and just, like, it's just really cool. And it's all about how he has, like, the... Like, we talked about last week, or last issue of this, where he... I I question it like you said anybody could will that I'm like maybe he is worthy though like he served his time you know and I was like kind of like it just seemed like it was a really cool like moment of joy for him too which I really liked yeah. talked about being in prison and not knowing if he'd ever really see the sky again much less fly through it you know mm-hmm. so which was really cool and then it's interesting because he also gave Thor a hint um oh so so he's uh, Adam sees is all transformed into like a god version of himself and um, he's like, how do I get rid of this? And Thor's like, oh, you just strike Mjolnir on the ground. So he doesn't transform his back. And as he's walking away, he's like, um, listen, I'm not an Avenger or anything, but I'm a pretty good mechanic. And that thing you just done got me thinking, a machine is a machine. You know, you can fiddle with it all you want. But sometimes, most times, you find that turning something off and turning it back on will fix most things. So that's interesting. And then we get a cool teaser at the end of the issue Oof. of... Thor possibly revisiting the Donald Blake identity, which I love. I love the oh, Donald totally. Blake identity. Yeah. So, yeah. and then when he came back and they, so they brought that storyline back too, like in, in Oklahoma. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm so ready for this too. Yeah. And then now we got Nick Klein, uh, Nick Klein coming back as the artist. Yes. And so this was like a little side story, probably to give him a break to do something else. Mm-hmm. But now he's going to be coming back with a new arc, and it looks like it's going to be leading towards the Donald Blake storyline. So I'm excited. Uh, anything else about Thor you want to talk about? Uh, no, it was just it was just really good. As far as like that for sure as a as a filler arc for the two issues, it was still very enjoyable. Just like him going back to Oklahoma, just checking it out, reminding Tony who the fuck is boss. <laughs> like it's almost like the setting was on purpose, or like that that Johnny Gates also liked that scene back in like was it Thor number three. To when just Thor mm-hmm. unleashed almost full on havoc, it's like you tell your fucking little people that if they fuck with us, I will unleash all of hell on Earth, <laughs> and that was just like a little glimpse this time again. Because yeah, Tony was just like, "Man, you can't use it. You can't use <laughs> your hammer." It's like, just stop it, Tony. Last time you made a clone and fuck everything up, so just let's not. <laughs> yeah. All right, now we're on to X Men. Uh, let's handle Wolverine six. And X Force thirteen as one story because it's it's two parts of the same story. Yeah, totally. Um, so we're in X of Swords, and um, we know Magic has her sword. She stands on the glyph, pound the war drums, which I'm going to be saying <laughs> until this is over because it's so badass. Good. So um, this is the story of Wolverine getting his sword. 
Uh, he had a Muramasa blade made with a part of his soul, but it was destroyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he needs to get a new one. Unfortunately, Muramasa is dead. So he needs to go ahead and go to hell and get a new Muramasa sword. Um, in the me- Oh, and also he has a really cool confrontation with Krakoa, which might lead to something later. So oh, that's pretty dope. It, it got sad, too. <laughs> yeah. So also he has a fight with Silver Samurai, which I thought <laughs> was pretty dope. Uh, because Silver Samurai is like literally like... Or like Wolverine says, if there's a dimension shaker of a sword fight, you should be the one to get the call. <laughs> like, and he's like, yeah. Fuck, yeah, damn right. And then Wolverine <laughs> takes him down in like 10 seconds. I'm like, mm. I thought that was kind of lame because I love Silver Samurai. So, yeah. yeah. I was laughing about it with Sochi because it's, <laughs> it's like, there's a tournament of swords and Silver Samurai doesn't get to go. And so he's sad about it. <laughs> it's just one thing. <laughs> it's like, this is all I have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so then we, um, then we meet who is going to most likely be Wolverine's counterpart in the tournament, Solemn. Oof. And uh, he, he, we get a really cool backstory. I'm not going to get too much into the entire thing. But basically, he seems really casual and does nothing seems to really bother him. And we find out later on that his skin is laced with like an adamantium nanofiber, <laughs> which is really cool. You also find yeah. out that he, he killed War's husband. The original War's husband. Summoner's dad, yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, that's interesting. And he has no regret, he has no despair, you know. Like, okay, it's, just, yeah. it's just really interesting. So so he needs to get a Muramasa blade as well. So basically, he goes to hell with Wolverine. And there's this awesome confrontation with the hand. I don't want to get into all the details. Um, but there's awesome confrontation with the hand. They're like half dead hand ninjas now which is really cool mm-hmm. um and he's th- basically he's there to try to save miramasa or at least to get what he needs from miramasa i should say um i should also mention that for x-force 13 i grabbed a variant cover without looking at it too closely and it's the fortnite cover <laughs> sorry it's got a dude in a banana suit dead center i don't know how i didn't see it like <laughs> I hate it. So <laughs> thanks. I hate it. Um, really? you, wait, you didn't get the, the Ox Ross one for this one? No, I'm going to beast I'm gonna go one. Back. I'm going to go back. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, like this, how beast should form back to you. I fucking love the space. Yeah. So, uh, basically, uh, we get this awesome story where Muramasa forges two blades for a, a hand demon couple, I guess is the way to put it. Yeah. And, um, Wolverine and Solem show up and just kill him, <laughs> basically, um, and go to take the swords. Um, let's see. Uh, we find out that Solem's can be injured by the Muramasa blade. Yes, because the Muramasa goes through anything. Yeah, exactly. So, so it really uh, makes this fight a mortal versus mortal fight, despite all powers. And I'm so fucking excited for this fight. Yeah. And then Muramasa ends up with both blades. I mean, not Muramasa, uh, Solem. And he's like, he's like, you know, we're going to face each other in the contest. You know, um, he's like, you're going to need one of these blades. Want to buy a blade, little man? And he goes, what do you want for it? And then we cut away. Mm-hmm. And Wolverine's back. Doesn't talk about it. Just says, I have my sword, but it came with a price. Only time will tell if it was worth the cost. And then he takes his spot on the, the circle. 
Yeah. And then we get a really cool info page. I know you tweeted the Muramasa Blade info page. Oh, I have so. it pinned. I'm going to go every week. I, ho- I hope they have one for each sword. Um, I'm definitely going to be updating it. Um, this shit, this was, this shit was, so, was so badass. So the last, the first part, uh, I was literally laughing about it with Sochi. Is like, Silver Summer doesn't get to a sword tournament. How funny is that? And then part two opens with this one of the sickest lines, which is, killing is a truth. A sword is a piece of art. And killing an enemy with a sword is the truest art. But every time you walk away with the victor, your sword should feel heavier with the weight of a lost soul. Mm-hmm. This is the burden of the sharpest steel. You know who said that, listeners? <laughs> Fucking Silver Samurai, and he still doesn't get to go to the sword <laughs> tournament. <laughs> that was such a dope line. I just imagine him like in the stands watching me like, this is bullshit. <laughs> like, None of these lines relate to me. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... I'm going to surprise our viewers a bit, I think. Um, that was really good. And I expected that to be my favorite part of Exosaurus oh, this week. Oh, yes. Thank you. Please say it. Please say the words. Uh, but Marauders 13 featuring Storm was easily <laughs> my favorite part of this so far. Yes. This was a fucking awesome story. Yes, it uh, was. I will say anything Storm does with Black Panther, I've always loved anyways. Mm-hmm. So that's probably a good reason for it. Um, but basically we find out that, um, as I predicted, Skybreaker is the sword that Storm needs. And it's like the like the heritage sword of Wakanda, and it can't leave Wakanda and all this stuff. It's made of vibranium and all this. And she knows what she needs to do. She knows she needs to go get it. And she knows they're not going to give it to her. And uh, I'll stop right there because I want to talk about the design of Skybreaker. It's yes. fucking awesome. It's so good. It's it's very much like an African design. It's and not just like a sword with African symbols on it. This is the kind of sword that an African, like a native African, would have made at the time. You know what I mean? Like with the long handle and the short blade. Like that's that's a very traditional for that era. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really dope. Um, so basically she goes, uh, this, this chapter features, uh, uh, Shuri and Queen Ramonda as well as Black Panther. And basically she shows up and she's like, Hey, I need a favor. Tells them. And they're like, you know, we can't do that. Right. She's like, I know basically like, so, um, <laughs> and it's really sad because this might be like, you get the impression that this is like, there's still the chance that her and T'Challa might get back together. But and they still love each other, but this is yeah. like something that's going to be in the way now. Oh yeah, and it's really sad. But basically, she asks, they say no, and she's like, "Cool, well, I'm going to take it anyways." But doesn't tell them. Um, she does this awesome heist. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> where she breaks in, and it cuts to Black Panther telling her about all the defenses for the sword. Which I like the thing where she's like, "Did he think I might need to break in one day?" Like I thought that was a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Like, so, um, but she, yeah, she defeats all the defenses, including just beating the shit out of some priests. <laughs> so, uh, it's always nice to see Storm actually like get physical, you know, yeah. she always has this otherworldly hover above everybody thing, which I, that's one of the reasons I never really cared for the character as much, uh-huh. except early on, I really liked it then, but, um, yeah. And then in the end she gets it, she has to fight Shuri, which is sad because yeah. it's like her sister basically. Yeah. She gets the sword. She's about to leave. And Black Panther shows up. And they have their confrontation. And it's really sad. I got really sad reading this. So, 
basically he's like, you know, I'd do anything for you, even this. Why betray me like this? And the whole thing is like, we got to, you know, we're both here to save our people, you know? And there's a line. I remember a time when Wakandans were your people. And she replies, my life does not revolve around your whims, even if my heart aches with missing you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus, dude. And then he tells them to stand down. And he's basically like, let her go. Destroy the gate. If the emissary of Krakoa wishes to return, it will not be as a thief in the night, but with the permission and grace of Wakanda, if we so choose. <laughs> T'Challa. <laughs> and so she shows up. Um, Kitty's there to talk to her again. And she's like, um, we, may, we have not lost allies, but there'll be a lot of work to get back trust. And then she stands in the circle. And her little thing lights up too. And it's like, dude, this is building so fucking well. It, it fucking, is. I well, love this so much. Well, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised she kind of didn't say this like to T'Challa, to, to but I love that she still says it anyway. Uh, when he was like, well, I thought I remember when Wakanda once was your people. I was like, yeah. But then when she makes it back to the circle, it's like, it's what she says. Like, I have been a protector longer than I've been a wife. I know the sacrifices that must be made. I know mm-hmm. who I am. Yeah, well, I mean that's, that's what she says to tell to everybody who resurrects. So I get that, but fucking a still like, oh, this, this is like this is like one one big ass sacrifice. And Wolverine never doubted you for a second, darling. <laughs> <It's> like, yeah. <laughs> so just very very good. This build is just incredible. Um, so next week we're getting three more chapters. Yes. We're in Hellion yes. Five, New Mutants Thirteen, and Cable Five. I'm so excited for Cable. <laughs> like Ooh, I can't wait yeah. to see how ridiculous <laughs> that's going to be. Uh, New Mutants. I think we might actually get some Ileana stuff, even though she's already there. Yeah. Or it could be Douglas, like Cypher. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, and then Hellions. Uh, the only one involved is like Psylocke, but they like they said that that Psylocke's not necessarily involved. So mm-hmm. we'll see. I don't know. It'll be interesting. So, but yeah, I'm very um, excited about those. So, last thing about the storm issue is the reason why I was another reason to add on top of it to just make me even more so excited. And I've been hearing this kind of like usually, I guess I've been hearing um, from all the new Dawn of X uh, titles. I've been hearing that New Mutants has been like the weakest one from people. I'm glad uh-huh. I stuck around just to, to kind of be like, well, that's not really true. Like, but I get what you're saying. Compared to really compared to how you really feel about Marauders and X Wars from the beginning, I guess I can, I can understand that. But this mm. uh, this issue of Marauders was written by Vita Ayala, who is now mm. going to be taking over New Mutants. So this issue being this fucking strong, and yeah. they're now taking over like that book. It just made me so fucking excited for it now. Yeah, I love Vita. Vita's going to do a great job. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, I know when we talked about the the change up of Hickman giving up New Mutants, mm-hmm. like there was a lot of people being like, uh, you know, and I'm like, no, 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 this is going to be good. And I think Vita's going to do an incredible job. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm much I, more excited about it with Vita than it was with Bryson. Yeah, I did not know this, and I need to go back to Samurai because apparently Stephanie Hans did a variant cover for this. Oh no shit! Yeah, I, I ended up getting the the fucking Iceman one for this one too. In the time, uh, yeah, one. yeah. I just I know if I'm gonna I spent ninety dollars, dude. <laughs> like, so. oh, this was a big week for me too, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. So, um, so we got some great uh, building up. Uh, I know I'm looking at the calendar here, and um, so we're getting. 
Those three I mentioned next week. And the week after that, we're getting Excalibur, X-Men, and X of Swords Stasis. So Wait, my no, no. theory... What? It's it, it's uh, Stasis is the week after. We're just getting to... Oh, I see. Week. So I think Stasis, at, when Stasis happens, all the sword bearers are going to be gathered. Is what I, I think, think so, too. That, that, that yeah. looks like it for now. Like the way these two yeah. kind of pace themselves for each uh, fighter... And then how we're kind of seeing it now, I, I think I think so too. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm pretty excited, man. Like this has been really fucking good. Like <laughs> so. Um, that's my comics for the week. Did you have anything else? Uh, yeah, no, those are my comics for the week as well. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh. I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye for Liz. Liz was unable to stay with us the entire time, but she definitely wanted to pop in and talk about those things. And um, as always, you can check us out at geek-network.com. You can check us out on Twitter uh, for the channel itself is GN Podcasts. For this show is WHI Podcast. Uh, for myself, it's GN Podcast Keith. Liz is GN Podcast Liz. And Hostway is Hostway Reads Hostway. Um, and as always, I know this comes out on a Monday. So have a safe, safe, happy, healthy week. And we'll see you next week. This has been a Geek Network production.